It's time for Super Health. Every time I see it is like when Luke uh, has that moment with R2, which I thought should have been better, but it gets me every time, man. I've become a little like, I just like tears, man. I'm like, oh my God, it's been so long. I went out to go drink with, you know, my, like my, uh, one of my original nerd crews when I was back home in Atlanta. One guy, <clears throat> you know, huge Star Wars fan. He, he was telling this other guy, I don't even know why he hadn't seen it. Cause this guy has been part of our nerd crew for the longest time, but he hadn't even seen it yet. He does have three kids. But anyway, <laughs> he hadn't seen it yet, and the uh, the other guy was like, "Man, just don't, just don't even go see it." And I'm like, <laughs> "Are you fucking?" I, I didn't tell him this, but I was like, "Really? It's you think it's that bad?" It's like, not that bad. Jesus Christ! I took this. I took the guy to the side, and I was like, "Look, man, don't listen to Jay. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, just." Just go see this fucking movie. It's not the best one ever, but go fucking see it. And he was like, "Yeah, I will." It's Star Wars, man. And I was like, "Yeah, that's what—that's the fucking attitude, attitude you should have." Welcome to episode 103 from the Superhouse Podcast. I am Andrew, and uh, I'm joined by Maddie, hello, and senior Batman correspondent Ben Juan. What up? And in this episode, we are going to bring you the best of 2017 uh, all of our individual lists and then after that we got a bold statement about the last jedi from ben and then after that time permitting we're going to go over some disney fox crossover ideas so uh let's get started right away um <clears throat> maddie you want to actually let's start off with ben let's just go right into it and um starting from the bottom of the list the top movies, movies of 2017. Take it away, Ben. Awesome. Uh, I know you guys might have like a top 10 list. I honestly didn't watch enough movies to have a top 10 list because my top 10 list would probably include movies that I just wasn't too crazy about. <laughs> so uh, my top 10 uh, starting will be a top five. Uh, okay. Yeah, fine. Now. So number five for me would be Coco. Oh man, um, I haven't seen that. Ah, it's uh, it's a beautiful movie, and it's it's number five for me. It would be higher on it. It just felt when watching it. Honestly, the first hour or so, I was kind of just like, okay, where exactly is this? I mean, I get it, the kids in the death area and everything, but like, where's this going? And and it wasn't until things started to gel together uh, that I really appreciated the storytelling of it and felt that Pixar, this is you know Pixar's best movie since Inside Out. And there I had wasn't. A, I had a Sorry to cut you off real, yeah, real quick there, but uh, I had a I have a coworker that is uh, you know uh, Latino American, and he said he came back from, from he came in Monday to work one time, and he was like, "Man, fuck that movie. Made me feel things." <laughs> exactly. Like there was there wasn't a dry eye in the house by the end of the movie, and yeah, it was, yeah. it was just um, it's a beautiful a beautiful kids movie uh, and just movie in general. And uh, this is definitely a re return to form for Pixar because it does feel like they've kind of stumbled a bit in a lot of their like sequels and trying to you know make more franchises out of Cars movies and things like that. And this kind of is just a return to like, hey, this is back to here's what we can do in animation, explore stories and worlds that you never thought we would ever explore. So that's definitely uh, in my list for this year. Uh, number four is kind of 
something that I, you know, 2017 for me was almost like a, a me getting to appreciate more horror movies. I probably went to see more horror movies this year than yes. I've ever seen before. I just, it wasn't as much of a, it didn't just always appeal to me, but like a lot of the horror movies this year, I'm just like, that looks interesting. Let me check that out. Uh, number four on my list would be It. Ugh, yes, I thought that was like we. It, it was, it yes was really it was really well done. Uh, mainly because it was almost more of a coming of age story than anything else, and I was really impressed by how, uh, for a cast of so many kids, you were really able to like they were all distinct in a way, and you sort of knew who was who and what their fears were and what each one was going through, and all that. And they could have easily just made them feel like a mix of the same kid or have like interchangeable dialogue but they didn't and it was just really well done bill skarsgård just knocks it out of the park as pennywise and uh, i know a lot of people seem to want him for the joker origin movie and i think he'd do great in it i just think that he's probably not going to take on a yet another killer clown role <laughs> after this one it's just almost too uh, <laughs> don't want to stare don't want to type cast him too much um and along those lines, um, I'd love it if Joss Whedon cast Sophia Lillis as uh, Batgirl because um, she was great in this movie. And uh, so that's awesome. number four. Number three, um, we're, we have you know my top comic book movies for this year. Uh, so number three would be Wonder Woman for me. Uh, we've already gone over it in the review, but uh, definitely the best DC live-action DC movie in years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's not like that. It's not like that's saying a lot, but like it's it definitely was um, the best one in my book since uh, the 2008 Dark Knight, and uh, just really well done, emotional, and um, a superhero origin movie done right. Uh, number two is my favorite uh, comic book movie of the year, which would be Logan. I just really love the way that uh, it was a good send off for Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart in those roles. And um, I don't think it would have worked nearly as well if we, if there had been so many, you know, if there had been a bunch of recasts uh, for that role, like we've had at, with like Batman and Superman, because we've cemented those guys in those, as those characters for so long, you know, James McAvoy being sort of the exception with Xavier, but still technically being the same Xavier. Um, it it just felt like this feeling of finality that um, I haven't really gotten with uh, any other sort of superhero movie type of thing, and um, just the perfect way I thought for Logan to go out. Uh, and then number one, kind of, it's probably on the top of a lot of people's number one lists for this year. And I hate to be cliche, but I really thought it lived up to the height. Uh, Get out! I really enjoyed yeah. it. I thought this was like it's not something you'd expect at all from Jordan Peele. Um, you have a lot of actors in it who I'm used to seeing in comedies, um, and having them play off as complete creeps. Um, and I definitely want to. Um, first off, did you both of you guys see it? Oh yes. yeah. Okay, so um, I got to shout, give great shout out to the actors who played uh, Walter and Georgina. Mm -hmm. and uh, Logan slash Dre, because all those guys had to play characters who were trapped inside their own bodies. Yeah. And you could tell. And I kind of knew, like, I loved it, even though I kind of called what was going on about halfway into the movie. But still, like, just the way that you could just see it in their faces, that they weren't quite in control of themselves and everything. And that's it's probably really tough 
to do as an actor, and I just thought they knocked it out of the park. So that's number one for me. And again, it shows just how much I learned to appreciate more horror movies this year in 2017. Yes, you all come to the dark side. (laughs) (laughs) Take it away, Maddie. Okay, so before we get into this, I have a a comic book movies separate, like six. So do you want me to do that first and then go into my top 10? Well, I have 11. An honorable mention is number 11. But what do you want me to do, Andrew? Because I broke I broke it up, man. I watched too much shit this year. <laughs> comic book movies first. All right, cool. All right. Hey, uh, Maddie here. I'm going to do my comic book movies first. There's only six of them. So here we go from my least favorite to my number one. Got coming in at number six, Justice League. It's trash. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> There's some. I really like seeing the Justice League together in this movie, even though it, like a lot of stuff didn't work for me. I thought the villain was crap. Um, definitely could have thought it, it could have been a lot better, but there are shining moments in this film and it's great to see Aquaman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the Flash, Cyborg, Superman. Um, and despite all the problems I have with CG upper lip Superman, it's nice to see Henry Cavill smile as fucking Superman and kind of be that ray of hope that I always need Superman to be. So it does get some things right, but it is definitely the weakest of the comic book movies that I saw this year. Uh, next up, I have Thor Ragnarok. I enjoyed this movie. I laughed a lot, but it just did like, I don't know. It's like I wanted something more, and I, it was to get me to the play. You know, I really want a v- Avengers Infinity War is what I want. You know, I don't want to have to watch another movie. I just want that movie right now. But Thor Ragnarok is great. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, next up, I have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Man, these movies are fucking great. Lots of fun. Uh, very heartwarming. It's it's a family movie. Like it's a, it's about family and fathers and sons, and it's great. I love it. Uh, the mixtapes are always great. Um, cast always stellar. Um, after that, I got Logan. Cause I mean, fuck, man, it's the last Wolverine movie with Hugh Jackman. It's got to be in the list, right? It's got to be number three. Maybe it should be higher. I don't know. But number two, I had to put Wonder Woman. Cause it's about time we had a fucking Wonder Woman movie, you know. So, and in that movie was great too. It was really hard for me to play. So I had Logan at number two, I had Wonder Woman at number three, and I was like, ah, I've, we've had a lot of Wolverine. So I'm gonna put Wonder Woman at number two. Um, and then my number one pick, I didn't think it was gonna be this. I was kind of surprised. It wasn't until my second and then third viewing of the film that I just loved this movie so much and it's so much fun. Spider-Man Homecoming. Wow. I didn't, th- I didn't think I wanted I did, I don't I didn't think I wanted another Spider-Man movie but those motherfuckers won me over. And I just, you know, my sister was talking about how much she loved it and how she was never that big of a Spider-Man fan but like they just got something right to her and I was like, I remember enjoying it and then I found it for really cheap on Blu-ray for like 7 bucks and I was like, all right, I'll get it. I kind of want to watch it again. And I just like immediately I saw everything that she saw in it. I was like, oh, it's like Spider-Man's exciting again. She's like, I glad I'm glad I didn't have to watch an origin story again. They just threw me in. It's like, here's Spider-Man. She hadn't even seen Civil War. And she loved it. And, you know, it kind of gave me this other appreciation of like, you know, as many of these comic book movies as I go see, it's kind of fun to not like rehash any of that stuff. It's just like, here's a new Spider-Man, fuck it, here's his villain. And I thought Michael Keaton was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to see him in a villain. Like I love him as a villain. <laughs> Because he's just so he looks he's good as a good guy and he's he's great as a villain too. He's a great actor. It's nice to see him coming back. Um, you know, just gonna say throw it out there to DC Batman Beyond movie, old Batman, Michael Caine, let's fucking do it. Um 
So, all right, now I'm going to get into my top 10 with honorable mention, and number 11 is the movie Life. This is a B-movie horror, B-horror movie concept with, like, an a, like a really well-written script uh, and a stellar cast, which is, like, crazy. Like, how do you get Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, and other people that are fantastic in this movie in this kind of B-horror movie? Um, and it's kind of cool. A lot of people compared it to Alien. I didn't really think the Alien reminded me of any of the Xenomorph at all. And, you know, there's not a lot of space horror, so life... It's a great movie. Love it. Got it on right now. Watching in the background. Um, number 10, I'm going to say Dunkirk because I don't know how many times I'll watch this movie, but every time I see a still of it, it's gorgeous. And if there's anything you can say about Christopher Nolan, he knows how to shoot a fucking movie. And I was just thinking about it as I'd see stills pop up in people's like top 10 lists. I was like, man, that's a great movie. And then it kind of made me want to watch it again because I was like, I'm sure I missed a lot. And, uh, so I put Dunkirk in there. Um, number nine, I got Gerald's Game, which is a Netflix movie. I didn't know if we were doing the Netflix movie, but I consider it a movie, even though there's some yeah, kind of controversy controversy around the Netflix movie stuff. But Gerald's Game, I thought, was a solid Stephen King adaption. Um, I haven't read the book, but what people have said, it's very solid. And for something that when you read the synopsis of a girl gets handcuffed to a bed, then her husband dies, and you're like, what the fuck's going to happen? A lot happens. It's great, well-acted, um, very creepy. Did not expect to get as creeped out as I did well, watching it. Um, and then, uh, okay, what's that? Um, number eight, I got uh, Logan Lucky. Um, I love Steven Soderbergh. I love The Nick. I like most of the movies that he does. I haven't seen all of them. Uh, I think the only one I don't care for is probably Traffic. Um because I feel like a lot of movies were coming out in that year and similar years after all about like how bad drugs are and what they can do to you and you should not get involved with drugs. And I was like, eh, whatever. But Logan Lucky's a lot of fun. Um, I love the cast in it. I love the Daniel Craig steals the show and I love Adam Driver. And it's just a fun like heist movie. Um, yeah, there's not much more I can say. It was a lot of fun. All right. Um, number seven. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Just going to say it. Some of y'all might be hating. Like, that's in your top ten. That's in your top ten. Yeah, it is. It's a fucking Star Wars movie. And despite any uh, anything that I don't like about it, I still think it's pretty... Like, there's a lot of cool stuff in it. And I think it broke the mold for how you should make a Star Wars film. And that goes a long way for me. So... And there was some cool stuff in it I hadn't seen before. I'm going to... I listened to Kevin Smith's podcast on it, and he's like you know what, just show me something new in the Star Wars universe, I'm probably going to love your fucking movie. And for all the points that Kevin Smith made in that podcast, which you should listen to, is the reason I put The Last Jedi in there. Uh, next up, I have Okja, which is another Netflix movie. Loved it. I love this director. I've loved everything that he's done. I didn't do all my research because I totally forgot, but great movie, um, really well acted. That's two Jake Gyllenhaal movies I got in there because I love my, my Jakey G. Um, but fun if you just you're sitting around you don't have anything to do. Ugja's great, loved it. Um, then up, I got Both you. So one second on this one. Both you and uh, Stefan came back from that movie saying that you were going to be vegetarian. Have you stayed vegetarian? Or? Oh no, of course not. It just makes you. <laughs> it just you just felt that way at the time. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been vegetarian before. It's okay. It's just like when you live somewhere like Cincinnati, it's very hard to like not be like there's there's no options really you know i guess i guess <laughs> so. i just wanted, i wanted to say i was interested on that point 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I do, I do try to like balance like not eating so much meat with, you know, I just kind of, I just try to keep a nice balance between the two. I mean, I get like, oh, Jaw's great. <laughs> just watch it. Uh, next up, I got Creep 2. Um, Creep 1 was awesome. Uh, it's uh, Mark Duplass and uh, this other guy that he writes with, and it's like their take on a horror movie. And Creep 2 is the sequel. And it kind of like breaks down the horror movie kind of makes fun of it but then it is also a horror movie and but it's just weird it's strange and i love uh the guy that mark duplass plays in it because he's like a serial killer and he's great he's just so good at it as it um but creep 2 i just watched it um loved it um next up i have raw which is about funny enough that andrew should mention if i was vegetarian it's about a vegetarian who goes to veterinary school and ends up becoming a cannibal um I put Raw on here mainly. It's really well done. It's about it coming a, a weird coming of age story, which I like just so weird and kind of hits on every kind of coming of age kind of thing. It's a French film, by the way. There will be subtitles just so everyone's aware. <laughs> um, but there was one scene in it that made me gag. I rarely watch movies that make me have any kind of reaction like that. Usually it's like a crying or a laughing, but I gagged. And it wasn't because of any gore. It was this girl has to pull strands of hair out of her mouth and it's disgusting. And that's why I put it in my top 10 because I rarely gag or get like disgusted by a movie I'm watching, but I finished it. So next up, Ben had this on his list. It it's great. Part one. So good. It's everything you could ask for. I read like half of it. It's like a thousand page book. People. I don't have the attention span for it. I'm going to try to reread it or listen to it. But to me, it hit all the notes you should be hitting when you do a feature film adaptation um of course i have problems because i've read the novel but for the most part it's solid uh it, like ben was saying all the kids are fucking fantastic in it probably the best kid actors i've ever seen outside of the stranger things kid and one of them's in the fucking movie so and then bill sargard as fucking pennywise is you know honestly he's probably my favorite pennywise because he's just creepier mm -hmm. um, then uh, i have get out which ben also put as number one and that's at my that's number four spot for me for Get Out. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, didn't expect that from Jordan Peele. Um, you know, I, it's just good. It's a good horror movie. It's solid all the way through. Um, and that's all you can ask for from out of the horror genre. Um, number three, I have A Cure for Wellness. A lot of people didn't see this movie. I thought it was great. It's weird. It's fucking bonkers. It's just craziness on film, which is like, I'm super attracted to films that are just like, hey, let's just try to throw a bunch of genres together and see what the fuck happens. And they did that. And for me, it worked out um, because it's a mystery that slowly builds up until this like climax that is, you know, very strange. Um, and I kind of love that it's kind of a throwback to this older style of movie that we don't really get to see anymore, that they did try to revital revitalize this year, which will be in my worst movies. Um, uh, number two, I have Blade Runner 2049. This film is gorgeous. Um, I, I like Blade Runner. I'm not a huge fan, but I love the director of Blade Runner 2049. I will watch anything he does. And I thought this movie was great. I thought it was a, a good way to like, if you're going to do a sequel to a movie, if someone is like, we're going to make a Blade Runner sequel, you get this director, you get this cast and you get a good fucking sequel. Um, it's beautiful. Soundtrack's fucking amazing. Um, I don't know if to say I probably need to see it again to do like a huge like deep dive into it. But um, and my number one pick this year 
is The Shape of Water. My boy Del Toro. I love all his movies. <laughs> um, I was captivated by this movie. I cannot stop staring at the screen. It's the, I just, I was taken to another world. And uh, that's what I like when I watch a Del Toro movie. And he delivers most of the time for me. Um, I never thought I would see a creature feature film with comedy and musical and dance numbers. Um, it's just gorgeous. And his attention to detail, even if this is the worst script I'd ever read in my entire life, his movies make it all, all worthwhile just because everything looks fucking gorgeous. So that's my top 10 with an honorable mention for life is number 11. Whew. Sweet. I reckon it's my turn. Um, <clears throat> starting out with number 10, I'm putting Power Rangers at number 10, guys. I have to. <laughs> I have oh. to because I think that it was, uh, what do you call it? Well, A, it sparked like a certain strand of nostalgia for me that I hadn't had in years. And I, it was kind of like locked away. And I don't know. Just the movie brought out a lot of memories. On top of that, they didn't do... They, they tried something new with this genre. They, they went, I guess, slightly darker because the original is very, you know, skews very young. And uh, what they did was, I guess, to me, I think, and I, and I talked with other people at, at, at conventions too about this, it was ultimately kind of successful. They changed the tone, uh, but it still kind of worked. And, um, I th you know, <clears throat> they could have, you know, been in the suits longer, but... <laughs> But it's still, you know, it was good. It was good for what it was. So it's on my list. It's at the bottom of the list, but I, I feel like I had to put it on there. Um, <clears throat> and then number nine is Lego Batman. How the movie was fucking hilarious, and it kind of you get to see uh, Batman in you know a humorous light, and uh, I just like all the callbacks to the Adam West stuff and and. And I, the humor really worked for me. I thought it was great. It was just a lot of fun at the theater. Um, number eight, I'm going to have to go with Logan. Maybe that's too low for some people, but uh, yeah, I put him at number eight. It's, it's interesting to see, you know, the third act of a hero in a film because we've been like, if you look at Marvel, we've been stuck in act two for 10 years pretty much. And we're going to be in Act 3 for Avengers 3 and 4, so that's going to be interesting. But to see this, and the way this movie was handled, was really great, and there's not really much bad I can say about it. I mean, I, 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 to me, I think the most interesting part was probably the very end, where the kids start turning on, on everybody. Like, the kids have that kill scene. Mm, I think, yeah. I think that, that, that scene kind of stuck out the most to me. And the fact that it was kind of treated like a Western... Uh, was was kind of cool. Um, I'm putting Shape of Water at seven. Blasphemy! <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what your number one is. Actually, I, you know, some of these are not. You know, they could probably move around a bit. It's really tough. Uh, but I, I'm putting it at seven for now. Um, yeah, just to see an uncompromised directorial vision. You know, like it seemed like Del Toro got everything he wanted in this movie. They, it seems yeah. like there was nothing that he that backed down on. Like, they could have easily cut out the sex stuff. Yeah. You know, that's like three seconds of some shots. But it's in there. And it's in there for a purpose. And, uh, I, you know, and the creature stuff was great. And, you know, to see him with Doug Jones again. And I don't know. Like, yeah, like Mighty said, every shot is amazing. 
And it's just, it's great to see a director just get everything he wants for a change, not compromise. Because, you know, all these big movies, like, they have hardly any control anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm putting uh, War for Planet of the Apes at six. Oh, yeah. That, that one went back and forth for me, man. It's probably like 12. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I yeah, like, I, you know, I think a lot of people walk away from these movies and they're like, and I've seen this online a lot. Why are these so good? You know, people are, people are thinking this like these these are better than they have any right to be. Um, and Woody Harrelson's in it. He's one of my favorite actors. I'll see anything that he's in. And uh, it was just handled well. And, you know, it really tees up. Uh, it really, uh, you know, enhances the anticipation for the Matt Reeves Batman movie. So just excellent, excellent end of the trilogy. Number five, I'm putting in Colossal. Ooh, yeah. Fucking great movie, kaiju movie, an interesting take on it, wholly original. I haven't seen Time Crimes and every and other things that Nacho has done, but uh, he seems like an awesome dude. Kevin Smith interviewed him uh, on, I think, Batman on Batman, and he just seems like a really cool dude. And also, this is another, you know, uncompromised vision and I mean, fuck! You've never seen a kaiju movie like this before. It's great. Anne Hathaway is great in it. Sudeikis is, fuck man, the guy can act. He's he's great in it. Uh, I'm putting number. I'm putting Wonder Woman at number four. Um, I mean, yeah, we haven't seen. There hasn't been this good of a DC movie since The Dark Knight, which was in 2008. Uh, and. They made the first woman superhero movie in modern times. I know there was a Supergirl movie back in the day, and there's been a few others, I think. But, you know, it's been quite a while. And there's been so many Marvel movies, and there hasn't been, you know, a female-led one. So, And the fact that they, they, they could have released the first one in years, and it, it would have been terrible. But this one was actually good. So it's just a lot of, a lot of great things converged uh, with this movie, I think. No. Number three, I'm actually putting Dunkirk. I'm just a fucking Nolan fanboy, man. I, I, you know, the movie just doesn't stop. It just really captures your attention. The editing's amazing. Sound editing, you know, you walk away really realizing how important sound is. Um, just the intensity of the whole movie. Like, you look at like Dark Knight Rises, and and just like the pacing and everything is just all off, and there's dead spots in the movie, and it's just. You know, it kind of sucks in some areas, but with this movie, it's just really tight, moves fast. You, uh, you know, for some weird re reason, Nolan has uh, Tom Hardy barely showing his mouth at all in a movie again, <laughs> which is weird, but whatever. It's, it was he, did, he doesn't want those luscious lips to take away from his filmmaking. Yes, so man, it's a weird, right? I was thinking that the whole time I was watching, I was like, he's not going to show his mouth this whole movie either. But uh, anyway, yeah, fucking. Uh, Fucking great. You know, it jumped. This is, a, this is a homecoming type thing for me with like how Maddie was with homecoming. I think in our mid-year roundup, this was like at the bottom of the list. But the more and more I thought about it, I just like this has to be at the top for me. This was a, just a great movie. Yeah, I definitely watch it again. I'm going to put uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at number two. Um, the Yondu stuff, man. So great. Uh, honestly, I think Yondu kind of steals the show. Um, unexpectedly too, uh, because of his, you know, the the scenes with his father in the movie, um, were also good. But 
Yeah, and the Mary Poppins, y'all, number one line in this whole fucking year. <laughs> and the number one is still the number one from mid-year roundup, which is Get Out. Uh, probably cliched, but like Ben said, but you know what? It was a fucking great movie. I was enthralled the whole way through. wasn't expecting that. Um, and like Ben, I'm not, I, I, you know, horror or thriller or whatever the fuck you want to call it, it's not usually my thing, but this was just, man, I don't know. You've just never seen shit like this before, and it's culturally important. Uh, I mean, I've seen Sunken Place referenced on Twitter and other places online throughout the year uh, for social reasons and stuff. So I don't know, man. It's just a really fucking great film. That's it for me. So um, I don't have... Oh, I want before we move on to the next category. I have another like mini category throughout every list. Uh, still want I'm put, calling it like still want to see or sh I should have seen or movies that might have made the list but I haven't seen yet. I'm just gonna run real quick through them. Okay. They are I Tanya, Disaster Artist, Brigsby Bear, The Post, Coco, and Okja, and maybe even more. But that's my list. They they very well could be on my list, but I just haven't seen them yet. <clears throat> Sweet. I'm sure I have something very similar to that. It's just it's hard to watch everything that comes out these days. Yeah, you just can't. It just cannot get around all this shit. So, um, since we're since to stay in the movie category, um, worst movies this year, and I'm sure most people don't have a top ten for this. <laughs> uh, but we ben, really still year in movies, in movies. I got six. <laughs> oh wow! Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Ben, do you have any? Do you have one? One single worst film? I mean, I'd say the most disappointing of the year would be Justice League. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. For reasons stated in episode 98. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please check that out if you want <laughs> yeah. a full three-hour discussion on why. <laughs> that was your little, like, uh, box with an asterisk. Please see issue, yeah. you know what I'm talking about, in comics. And then please see um, episode 100 for the Superhouse rewrite of Justice League. Right. It's a much better movie. It's a much better movie. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, Maddie, what's this? Uh... My worst movies? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Andrew just reminded me of one. I did not care for Power Rangers. I thought the opening scene of Power Rangers was awesome. But like oh, Andrew, my. they should have been in the suits longer, and I thought the finale was shitty. Um, I definitely think for a Power Rangers movie, that final Zord battle with a giant creature has to be fucking dope. And it wasn't. And they spent it to me. They spent a little too much time delving into the teenagers and the teenager angstiness that they they are all in. And you I'm know, so, I'm ambivalent about that because on one hand, I'm glad they spent time with character development because most of the time, they just fucking don't even give a shit about that. But on the other hand, too, it's like we came here for the fucking fighting in the suits, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's and why we are fucking here. There's so. one scene that bugged me was like when the dude like puts the sword back at the end or whatever, his weapon. And I was like, where the fuck did that thing come from? Yeah. And it seems like they just like, there's probably like a director's cut or something that they're just like, oh, we got to cut this for time. Um, so, you know, that's like my number six. Number five is Valyrian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Um, visually, it's very cool looking. It's just like there's nothing there. It's like there's no like like I don't care about the characters. I don't really care. The creatures look cool, but I really don't care about what the fuck's going on. It, literally, I was sitting in the theater, and I'm, thank God I saw it for free. But I was just like, what the fuck is the point of this? Like maybe if I'd read the comic, maybe I would enjoy it more. 
but I didn't. And I just kind of went into it with uh, just kind of like, oh, it's a Luc Besson. Uh, I'm kind of hoping this is kind of like Fifth Element. And it's not like Fifth Element. It's trash. Um, after that, I have The Mummy, which is they try to restart like the dark universe and give God. us like a whole a whole list of uh, you know new films. And I found out that Del Toro was approached to handle all of this as like a producer, or just like overseer, and he passed on it. And God damn it, Del Toro. <laughs> You didn't even have to direct a movie. You just had to make sure they went in the right direction. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't like The Mummy that much. They did throw in some kind of cool ideas. I will say Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde would have been great, but they squandered it by putting Tom Cruise in a movie. Um, and some of the ideas that they pass along in The Mummy to like kind of set up this, like the ideas were like there, and it seemed pretty interesting. But it's just like, it, you know, it's just it fell flat. Uh, I'm a sucker for King Arthur movies. I like the story. I love reading about it. Um, the Love Sword in the Stone, the Disney one. Um, uh, I love the show Merlin on BBC. Um, so uh, I, I even like the Anton Fuqua one, even though I needed like magical Merlin, but I thought it was kind of a cool take, even though it's like not the best movie. So I watched King Arthur Legend of the Sword, trash movie, watched the Anton Fuqua one. Uh, it's just, it just misses the mark. Uh, and the editing is terrible and the effect the oh god like i can't even believe we're still having a discussion about cgi and films anymore man like it seems like you can do it you just got to have the time <laughs> and the budget and make sure you got it but everything's just a mismark for that movie like maybe there was a solid idea there at some point but i don't know what the fuck happened um so my number two is leatherface which is like an origin story for leatherface um, and I knew this wasn't going to be great, but I had hopes that it'd at least be like an interesting story because the directors of the film are, uh, made this French horror film called Inside. And the premise of that movie is there's a pregnant lady, there's a crazy lady who wants the baby out of her. And it's the goriest fucking film I'd seen that year along with Martyrs and other French films. It's fucking crazy. Um, so I, was, I had high hopes that I get a very like disturbing kind of take on Leatherface. I did not. It was trash. Terrible acting. They even had the guy from Game of Thrones who plays uh, Lawrence uh, Tyrell. Um, so I was kind of hoping with like, and it's Steven Dorff's in it, which I don't think he's the best actor, but I feel like he's done a lot of indie stuff that's been pretty good. So I was like, oh, that's not a terrible cast, you know? Could be good, but it was not. Don't waste your time if you're thinking about watching it. It's terrible. Number one, Jeepers Creepers 3. <laughs> terrible. Wow. I enjoy, I enjoy yeah, it's fucking horrendous. It is trash. I would much rather watch a Justice League over this movie any day. Wow, holy <laughs> shit. This movie uh, must be a fucking uh, turd. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, first of all, the director is a fucking pedophile, so fuck that guy. Wow. But I didn't know that when I saw one and two, and you cannot give me a third film and not expect me to want to see it. Because I, I, those movies are B movies. I get what they're there for, and I enjoy B. I enjoy a B horror movie, and I enjoy those movies. But every direction they take in Jupiter's Creepers 3 is to, like, instead of just making the mythology, they try to expand on all these ideas, but they don't have the budget for it because you're shooting this with, like, a sci-fi channel budget. So why do you have, like, CG, uh, CG crows flying? Like, you don't have the budget for that shit. Like, I'm here for the creeper and then the people he's going to murder. And then hopefully we'll get a little more mythology on how he began or something. I didn't get any of that. I got some shitty CG crows flying into each shot. It's terrible. Don't watch it. But that's my that's my worst movies of that I've seen this year. 
I only have one, and you know what? It wasn't even terrible, but and I'll, I'm also just I also just put it here just to have something in the list, but uh, it's Ghost in the Shell. Um, I mean, I don't. All right. Fair. The thing is, I mean, I, look, I just you know it wasn't terrible, but the thing is, I haven't seen like I didn't see the Mummy. I'm sure the Mummy's worse in this film, but the thing is, I think it's just online reviews and I I don't know what it is, but yeah, I guess just kind of like seeing how movie is on is received online has actually helped me to just see mostly decent to good movies to great movies, you know, like yeah. I haven't seen like a bunch of turds this year. Like I knew to stay away from the mummy and st- I don't know why you watched it, Matty. I guess you just want to see a horror film. <laughs> Dude, but- like, I mean, half my list is like fucking horror sci-fi or fantasy. Like I'm going to watch it. Like, even if it's bad, like the thing is, is like, just because a Rotten, Tomato, Rotten Tomatoes review or someone or a bunch of people are like, that's a shitty movie. Like, I might find something I really like in it. That's why, like, I watch Leatherface. Because, yeah. like, I enjoyed those directors' French film. So maybe they didn't like... Because I heard that, like, that movie, like, it shouldn't be called Leatherface. So, like, maybe I would have found something. I'm like, ooh, that's a cool concept. I really like what they did with there. So sometimes I watch terrible movies just to see if there's some kind of underlying, like something cool in it that maybe people are like, well, this isn't really a Leatherface movie, blah, blah, blah. But I, I kind of got a two, too, because, I mean, the horror movie genre, I love it, and you kind of, you got to watch shitty films. It's just part of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's part of the deal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the genre, so therefore it's like I got to watch them all. It's just like I feel like comic book movie fans, for the most part, are probably going to watch every comic book movie that comes out, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've seen, I think, all of them. you know like one of my favorite marvel films before this whole new thing is the ghost rider spirit of vengeance just because it's fucking nuts and insane and just fucking weird it's not great but i fucking love it and i would put it in my like my top 10 marvel films nice so yeah everybody talks about that in warzone all the time they're like not reviewed well but actually good everybody says that all right let's move on into uh tv all right Ben, uh, I mean, to be honest, I'm we're kind of just talking about the genre stuff. Most of the TV I've watched is mainly the comic book related things. I'm not. Um, That's how we do, baby. Yeah, I'm not a big follower of the Walking Dead or the Game of Thrones type of. Show. I mean, I've seen I've seen seasons, I've seen episodes of them, but it's almost it got to a point where I'm kind of like, okay, I get it, like I get this, but I'm not really attached to anybody enough for me to continue watching. Um, so for me, I've only, I'm only like two episodes in, which is, I know, disgraceful, but, uh, I love what I've seen so far with the Punisher. Okay. Um, it feels like it's probably going to be my favorite of the Netflix Marvel shows, considering I'm not a, I, I, I always felt like the Netflix Marvel shows were, could have, could still be better. Um, even Daredevil, I, I felt that what made Daredevil season one was Kingpin and what made Daredevil season two was Punisher, but the actual stuff that Matt Murdock was going through was kind of always overshadowed. Um, so I've, I always felt that D- Daredevil is still a show that could get better. But um, now that you've put Punisher front and center in his own show, um, I've, de- I've loved what I've seen so far. Um, and then I know Andrew's starting to appreciate this one because he's been watching it and catching up, but uh, I still got a shout out to, a- to Arrow season five. It's still one of the best uh, comic book seasons um, I've seen um, just a really nasty villain who um, 
kind of inspired some of my own writing stuff, honestly. But uh, I, th- I thought it was a return to form, which is a shame considering how season six is going. But oh well. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and, um, Sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I guess one more exciting um, things in TV this year was the amount of crossover stuff. Um, I know this is more of the best of, but uh, to be honest, the crossover stuff from this year honestly hasn't been super great for me. I thought Defenders was just okay to eh. Um, and uh, Crisis on Earth X for the uh, CW shows. Uh, it was it's the you know I was really excited for it, and it's definitely you know better than than the Justice League movie that we got. Uh, but there's just a lot of elements to it that I just did. Just I just can't, walked away. It was just just a sour taste. Um, a lot of it involving character Felicity, who has ranged in the past from being a favorite character to being just this, just the albatross of this fucking show, because right. of the fact that. Um, <clears throat> um, I mean, we'll go into this a little bit in a later section, but uh, one of the, one of the things that. So I've sort of noticed is that sometimes you have characters who are from either either female or they're from minorities or something like that, and they're always sort of portrayed as like they can do no wrong, sort of thing. And but it's almost the point where their own flaws get glossed over by everyone else. And I feel that way about Felicity, where a lot of times she's been selfish. She's done a lot of things that have put the team in danger. She's been very she's almost so absorbed in her relationship with Oliver that it supersedes anything to do with saving the city or anything that her duty and nobody calls her out on her shit and it's almost like she can you know Felicity Spoke is like the new like hero of the show and it's it's bullshit because it's the show's not about Felicity it's about Oliver and the more that she does that type of stuff the more I dislike her and she was at her worst in the crossover and it's too bad because she was in those, you know, not to give it away, but there's there's moments dedicated to her that sort of just bring the whole crossover down. Um, there's other things that I, I disliked about it, but um, that was the major thing. But still, it was kind of awesome to see, you know, on, on, on the upside, it was awesome to see uh, all the shows crossover and um, kind of see everybody, all these characters interact who've been built up for about four or five years um, in this in this universe in this universe and um, also kind of cool just seeing them play around with the idea of the doppelgangers on a different earth of them having an earth where all the superheroes are evil and having those actors sort of play uh, evil versions of themselves uh, my favorite Justice League cartoon movie is uh, crisis on two earths with uh, James Woods as Owlman because of the fact that you get to play around with like an evil Batman. You get to play around with, um, you know, evil Wonder Woman, evil Superman, all that stuff. And uh, I'd love to see something like that for uh, one of the Justice League movies in the future. But since we're not sure how that's going to work, this is the closest thing we've got live action wise. I saw the flash one of that. Uh, uh, I skipped the other ones, but the, (laughs) But the but the crossover and I, I did like it you know after and I'd seen Justice League a, what a couple weeks before that or something mm-hmm. and yeah I mean I appreciate the fact that they just go fucking nuts like they they went all the way with this concept I don't mm-hmm. I don't remember I only saw the one episode so I don't remember what happened with Felicity so much but yeah I mean, she they got, they got Ollie thing. being a fucking like the new Hitler and shit like all right yeah. well, bring it on this is hilarious <laughs> I mean it's 
it's it's just they just go fucking nuts with it. It's comic book fun at its finest. Mm. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Absolutely. No, it's, it's I was just saying that there's not a lot of Felicity doing that stuff in it, but you do get the sense that Felicity and Oliver are the worst wedding guests when Oliver is like trying to propose to her during the fucking rehearsal dinner for Barry's wedding. I was like, really? This is how we're going to start off this crossover with this shit? So like, again, that's why I'm like, yeah, this is why season five, I mean, season six of of what's going on in Arrow is just a letdown compared to all the awesome stuff that's in season five. Is that wait? Was that number one for you? Was that it? I mean, I don't, I don't have a li- I don't have a listing. I just kind of oh okay gotcha. went off of the uh, stuff that I've enjoyed over the year. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, man, gotcha. All right, so uh, <laughs> Maddie. <laughs> All right, uh, I got ten lists for this one. Um, uh, start off with number ten. I got The Exorcist season two. I just finished it today. Uh, I loved season one a lot, and I like what they do in season two. It's kind of evolving this mythology around. Uh, you know, these movies and these books and uh, yeah, it's just a fun show. Uh, there's some really creepy imagery in it and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird to see that like Fox uh, do some of this stuff, but uh, yeah, I liked it and it definitely ends on a, they do pay homage in the last episode to a, a specific scene in the exorcist three with a giant pair of scissors, which is pretty cool. So they do kind of relate things to the films and the books and uh, that's cool. Uh, after that, number nine, I got Game of Thrones because, I mean, we got a fucking podcast about it, so why not? I will say it's not my favorite season of Game of Thrones, but I love Game of Thrones, so, you know, it's in my top ten. Um, number eight, I got The Strain season four. It's the final se- – it's the final – it's the end. It's over. There's no more The Strain. It's a B-movie, Vampire, Del Toro. Uh, it's good, man. I just enjoy the B-movie aspect of it. I enjoy the campy acting. Uh, there's some really great visuals and just some weird – and a cool take on vampires, and there's only four seasons. Um, so, like, it's a pretty easy watch, too. Um, after that, I got Manhunt Unabomber, um, which was just a lot of fun. Um, and my boy Paul Bettany's in it. He plays a Unabomber. He's great. Um, and it's it's weird uh, because, like, I grew up, like, hearing about all this, but I didn't really know much about it. Um, so it was kind of nice to watch and just kind of see these things, like, actually get – you know, within this aspect of a television show, the facts are like as much as you can. Cause I think I was too young to really understand like what was going or didn't care. Cause there's video games and other things to do. Um, and so it was kind of nice to see this rehash when I was too young to kind of understand what was going on, but, and the acting is really great in it. Um, I think, Oh God, what's the guy's name? Uh, is it Sam Worthington's in it? And he hasn't been anything in a while and he's really good in it. After that, I got, um, Easy Season 2. This is a Netflix original series. It's all shot in Chicago. And if y'all don't know my love for the Chi-Town by now, fuck, man. <laughs> they go to places that, like, I. there's this one bar called Cole's. We used to go to Comedy Night. They shoot an entire episode there. They actually talk to Cole. I've had several conversations with Cole, drunkenly. Uh, you know, it just it, it hits me in my heart. And these places they go. I And uh, I actually saw a person I knew in the background of, of an episode. Nice. Um, and they're just kind of fun. They're, they're short. They're like 25 minutes long and they're little like life in Chicago or just dealing with certain different things and relationships. Um, whether it be like with your significant other or just like a business partner and it's just a fun show. Uh, the, I think it's Joe Swanberg is the director of this. He also has a movie on there called drinking buddies also shot in Chicago. I think everything he does 
they shot in Chicago. So, but Drinking Buddies is a really cool, like kind of a romantic comedy movie. Um, it's always, most of his stuff is dealing with like drinking beer, which I also kind of drawn to as well. But uh, Easy Season 1 and Season 2 is great, and I blew through Season 2. It's very nostalgic for me. Just a lot of places they go are, like, kind of beaten path, kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, off the beaten path kind of places that, like, you would just go if you've lived there for several years. So it's nice to see. Um, next up, I got Glow Season 1, dude. This show was fucking incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, women wrestlers... Uh, I mean, do is there anything else that you need to watch this show? Because that's, I mean, they sold me at that, um, and it's the cat. It's all women except like Mark Marin. is <laughs> the only other guy in it, and uh, he's also an easy. So I don't know. Maybe I like Mark Marin now. I don't know. But Glow's great. Watch it. Uh, there's a documentary I haven't seen that's about the actual women. Who, it's on Netflix as well about the actual women in this like kind of Glow thing. So. Check that out too. Uh, it's on my list of things I should be watching all the time. <laughs> um, after that, I got Legion season one. Fucking this show was crazy. Uh, love the guy who did the Fargo show. I never thought I'd have any interest in watching a show about Fargo, but goddamn that guy. And the same with Legion, like kind of this character that I kind of knew a little bit about, made an entire season about it. It's crazy. Aubrey Plaza in that season steals the fucking show, in my opinion. She's a fantastic actress, and if you thought she was just one note from like her Parks and Recreation days, watch out, people. She's got more. <laughs> um, next up, I got Master of None Season 2. <laughs> what, number, what number are we at? Uh, this is number three. Okay, copy. Master of None Season 2, great. Aziz Ansari took... I didn't know... Like, I was wondering like if we're going to start this season in Italy, how long we're going to stay there, and it was just great. Oh my god, dude! It, the, I quote I quote a lot of it at work and other places. Just some of the stuff him and Eric where say to each other. Uh, I love it. I think Master of None's great. Oh, I hope yeah. we get a, I hope we get a season three. You know, uh, Aziz, take your time. Don't let these people pressure you. I'll wait for the Master of None season three. I don't need it next year. I'll wait two years. I'll wait three. Just drop it on me when you're ready. Uh, number two, I got Stranger Things season two. Because, fuck, guys. I got pop figures of them. And this is what you do with a season two. You up the ante. You make it fucking aliens, dude. More action. More monsters. More crazy shit. Little side adventures. Going to Chicago. Eleven. Meeting up with a, <laughs> meeting up with a, the X-Men, quote unquote. Um, you know, uh, it was great, man. I love it. I even, I love that episode that everyone was hating on. Fuck you guys. It was great. I love Stranger Things. I think what these guys are doing is everything i wish i would have had this idea and i wish i would have told andrew and joey and ben and we would have made this because it's fucking great uh my number one pick took me by surprise i was excited for it but i did not think i would get wrapped up in it as i did but it's mindhunter season one i fucking love this show uh it's uh, dude, it's just so good the acting's great the guy who plays ed kemper Kemp should get a fucking award for his performance he's terrifying and unsettling and there's like little to no gore in this movie about serial killers it's mm -hmm. just they're them just describing the killings and it's haunting and i thought it was well acted well shot it's produced by david fincher i think he might have directed like at least a couple of episodes during the season um and ah just it blew me away man i thought it was a great fucking show that i thought i would enjoy but i didn't think it would like stay with me and you know i would want to tell people about it like i bought the book that the series is based on i haven't read it yet 
it's a lot of stuff out there. People got a lot to watch and read and play and so much. I got to be on this podcast for you people too. Jeez, what do you want from me? Um, but that's my list. Nice, man. All right. So starting number 10 for me, um, I got to put the flash on there, man, because it's it's it hasn't been as good since season one. I think probably season one is still its best season. And right but season two, not bad. Season but anyway, two is good. One yeah. or two are dope, man. Yeah, it's good. And I think maybe there's been a little lapse in quality, but it's a show that I watch every fucking week. And out of the CW shows, it is my favorite. I, I I did not I wasn't like a huge Flash fan before, you know, like Captain Cold, go fuck yourself. But <laughs> and all these villains like have some silly ass names, but like I, I you know, I love how they just fucking lean into comic book silliness. Like they it's a lot of people are a, a lot of like when when comic book directors or whatever, they try to like take that away from mm-hmm. the medium. But this this whole show and you know their Berlanti verse, as they like to call it on the internet, like they they they're proud of it. They wear it as a fucking badge of pride. Like we're silly, but that's what you're gonna love about us, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think, you know, uh, what you call it? Um, what's the time travel one called again? <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. That one also is leans pretty silly as well. Arrow's mm-hmm. the most serious one, of course, but. Flash, you know, it's like that good, perfect medium, you know. I, 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 I like the villain of the week kind of thing, and it's and, and the the elongated man this season in particular. I like where it's going. That actor is pretty good. I think he's channeling Jim Carrey somewhat, but you know what? He's he can sort of kind of do it. He kind of gets away with it. So, you know what? Cool. And I, yeah. every every what is it Tuesday when it's on? I watch it on the internet, so I don't know when it comes on. Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday, so Tuesday night or Wednesday night, I'll be. I watch that fucking show. Um, <laughs> is it? I mean, it could it could be better. That, but that's why it's number ten. Mm-hmm. But I do feel well, like I, I do feel like it's it's good enough to just continue watching. Go ahead. Yeah, Elongated Man is definitely a breath of fresh air. I think to the show. Um, they've. Yeah. It's like they tried to make Wally the sidekick to follow the traditional comics, but. It's it's you could tell that they always try to sideline him because they don't know what to do when there's two speedsters and they don't want the solution to be solved too quickly. Right. Exactly. Um, so I think it's it works better. I think he's definitely like a def- he's a good addition to the team because he's added a new dynamic. I never really thought Wally added much other than just kind of being there. Unfortunately, uh, Wally's supposed to be you know the the comedic type that Ralph is in the uh, in the show right now. Right. Uh, if you just look at how they did him in Justice League, uh, the, the cartoon show, um, all the best lines went to Michael Rosenbaum as, as Wally West. Right, um, right, right. So, unfortunately, that never really translated over to this version. So, I don't mind the fact that they kind of sidelined Wally for the sake of trying to get in this new element. Um, I also like how the season, uh, The Thinker is definitely... Another breath of fresh air from more speedsters, because that was just getting ridiculous. Yeah, they they I've read this online a couple of times. I'm sure you have as well, Ben. Uh, yeah, they wanted to stay away from speedster villains, and and the show is definitely, um, you know, benefiting from that. I think overall, um, and this whole like 
that you know he's a fucking CSI guy, and now you have a kind of like murder mystery thing. I mean, spoilers, everybody, but <laughs> that's a murder mystery deal going on with the Flash, and um, that was the mid-season finale or whatever. And I, I won't spoil too much, but now now some shit's fucking kicking in the gear, and that, right, that's, yeah. that's that's some interesting shit. Yeah, to right. me, this is way more interesting than the Savitar shit from last year. Man, Savitar was just oh fuck yeah. Savitar was a joke. We could go on forever about the Flash, but just to keep. <laughs> Keep things. Yeah, guys, you need your own podcast about it. Jeez, bunch <laughs> of nerds. Just to be somewhat brief about that, let's move on to number nine. And you know, people are, might shit on me for this. <laughs> like, is that even a real fucking show? But this is another show I also watch every week, and I fucking love Comic Book Men. Ah, sorry guys, but I, it's a nostalgia thing. I don't know. How do you know it that is. was still on? Yeah, it's still on. It's like season seven. Oh, wow. Some people must be loving the show. It is writing the uh, ratings from Walking Dead because it's right after Talking Dead. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it probably is writing that a bit, but still, I don't even fucking have cable. I watch this on the internet. And it's just a relaxing show, I guess. I don't know what it is. like. And I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, and it's just, I don't know. It's If my metric is I watch this every fucking week and I enjoy every episode... Yes, it, it passes those that those those tests, so it's on my list. Great show. Um, moving on, number eight. Also, something probably people won't uh, be expecting. Uh, Harmon Quest. Um, another thing I watch online. It was on CISO, a fucking channel that's not even around anymore. Dan Harmon is the guy that makes fucking um, Rick and Morty, and he did Community. He was a producer on that, I guess. And the concept is great. It's like they play a simplified version of D&D and they animate portions of it and they have comedic guests on. Also a show that is kind of like easy to watch and don't have to pay attention too well. But um, it's also something that I, I, I watched every week it was on and it was great. I thought it was a great show. Um, Number seven was a surprise to me because when I first started watching the show, it was just, it takes a while to get into comedy, I think. It, like, even when I watched Rick and Morty the first time, and even South Park when I was a kid, I wasn't, uh, <clears throat> I didn't like those shows at first. And then after like two or three viewings, it's like, oh, it's like, it's weird. Something clicks. And then it turns into something that I really fucking enjoy. So, anyway. Curb your enthusiasm, man. Who the fuck knew? This yeah, show was this show was fucking hilarious. And talk about good writing. Like every every like uh, what do you call it? Comedic point or every like conversation, they go back around to it in some ingenious way. Yeah. Uh, the writing the writing is fucking great. Uh, number six, Big Mouth. Holy shit! Fucking hilarious. Also. Netflix, uh, uh, what's the other show? F is for Family. You have like these shows that are like, they are as heartwarming as they are dirty. <laughs> like <laughs> the, these shows are very dirty. They're raunchy as fuck, but they're also as raunchy as they are, they're equally heartwarming. This is, a, I mean, Big Mouth is much more about um, puberty than, uh, than anything else. And so it, it can lean into being into being raunchy and, and the joke every like all the jokes fucking land. I was laughing my fucking ass off the whole time I was watching the show. Netflix just just fucking killing it the whole fucking year. Uh, <clears throat> number five, uh, Stranger Things season two. 
maybe this is too low for some people. Yeah, um, it is for me. Yeah, um, it was. It was definitely look. It's on my. It's on my top ten list. Number five. It was not as good as season one. I thought. I have mm-hmm. no problems with the X Men shit at all. I just felt like some of it just didn't land as well as it could have. Uh, it, that being said, fucking great show. It ended great. I love it. It seems like they really they take they've taken the time to tell to tell the story of these kids, and and and. and like the way it ended with that fucking prom dance, man. I mean, who wasn't fucking loving that shit? That was great. Moving on from that, uh, four would be Glow. Fucking great show, man. I mean, yeah. I, I, I really love the 80s, and I didn't know about the story of the women of the, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And just another great show from Netflix. I mean, it, can Netflix do any wrong? Oh, yeah, they made Iron Fist, but we'll. <laughs> and Defenders. And defenders, but they're more they're more hit than miss, I'd say. Three, Mine Hunter, fucking surprised Three. by that. Mine Hunter was fucking incredible. That guy that played Ed Kipper, Kemper was like, I posted this uh, after I saw it. I was like, that guy needs that fucking Golden Globe, dude. Holy shit, that was a fucking performance, man. Creepy as fuck, and I wanted to see. I'm, everybody knows I'm not a great binger, but I did sort of binge this one, like two or three setting, sittings. What? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- maybe three in a row here and there. Like that one, that really tells you something. Um, and then number two, Star Trek Discovery, everybody. Fucking great. It is changing. It's, again, following a bit off of JJ in the sense that it's changed what Star Trek is. It's more about... A human drama than it is about a you know kind of a meditation on the human condition in space uh which is what next generation and the original series and all that shit was which some people find boring but they're all that's also how they built the original fan base too i like this stuff as well but i'm also a slut i like <laughs> this i like this take as well and it does still keep all the nerdy shit there. It's just the focus is all the focus is kind of more on the human drama stuff, which is fine. You know, it was a great show. I fucking loved it. And then, actually, number one and two, I think, could be interchangeable for me. But uh, number one, Game of Thrones, fucking great. Damn. Um, yeah, fucking great show, man. I mean, we made a podcast about it. Uh, I used to not like fantasy quite this much, but Game of Thrones just did it for me, man. Great Damn. fucking show. Um, and then my still want to see could be my list, but haven't really seen it. List is uh, Legion, Fargo, Handmaiden's Tale, and probably more. Yeah, I would put Star, Star Trek Discovery. I think the, I got so upset. I was like, yeah, Star Trek will be on Hulu. And they're like, nah, we're going to do our own thing. I was like, god damn you, CBS. Yeah, like, man. Oh. I, I was really hoping it would be on there so I could watch it. So that's on my list. Fargo, I need to see the new season of that. Um, fuck. There's probably a, a bunch of other shit I need to see, but. Oh man, there's so much fucking shit. Uh, you could you could do the CBS All Access app thing and get the free trial for like a week and just binge it. Yeah, I'll probably just end up like picking up like the season or something when it drops and just watching it. It's got Doug Jones in it, so I need to see it. So, uh, and he's actually oh, acting. Yeah. I mean, he always acts, but I mean, he actually has lines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's a full-on, fully-fledged character and. He's great. He has one episode that's like kind of all about him, and that's it's 
it's fucking awesome. Um, so Ben, what other cat- <clears throat> categories do you have a list for? Uh, not really any. I mean, I can. <laughs> I, I I'm not. I'm you know. I don't really have time for a lot of the video games. I don't really watch documentaries, um, music stuff. Like I'm just like, well, I mean, I do listen to a lot of film scores, but there hasn't really been anything this year that really impressed me music wise. Um, so I don't really have much for these. Okay. All right. Um, well, we'll try to we'll try to get through these as quickly as we can, and then we can get to your bold statement. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Um, Maddie, do you want to do uh, Docs? documentary? Yes, exactly. Documentaries. All right. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I only got six this time, and six is kind of like an honorable mention because I was kind of debating if it was a documentary, but I guess it is. It's uh, Motivation Three: The Next Generation, which the Motivation series is about. A skate competition that they hold every year skateboarding sorry um and i've been watching them they show up on netflix and um it's just they do these little like mini docs about these skaters that come from all walks of life and like how it's really important to them to win this competition because it can change their life you can get sponsors you can you know for some of these guys feed their families or like get them out of these terrible situations um and plus you get to see some dope ass skateboarding while you watch this documentary about these people's lives um so that's like my number six. Uh, number five, I have Casting John Bonet, which is a Netflix documentary about John Bonet Ramsey and that murder. But it's a weird take. It's like they kind of play, they kind of do it like, what if they were casting a movie? But while they're casting this movie, they read lines that actually John Bonet or her parents said through different actors from this like local, like from this kind of like, it just seems like it's from like one town in like Canada that they're trying to get these people to like shoot this, uh, this pilot for, or maybe just like this, uh, you know, series. So it's really interesting. Um, cause you're getting the story of the John Bonet case and what happened or, you know, as much of, of it has come to light at this point, which this is another thing, kind of like the Unabomber where this was kind of going on when I was really young and didn't understand, you know, like, it's like, Oh, some, someone got killed and I don't really know. Cause I'm a little kid. I don't really know how to process that. So, um, but it was very interesting to watch and get that story, but it's a new way to like shoot a documentary, which I also thought was super interesting too. Um, four, I have Obey Giant, which is about Shepard Ferry and his like rise to, you know, uh, Obey and how that came about. Um, uh, it's really good documentary if you like art or you're just interested in him um, or you, if you either love him or hate him, it'll like, you know, hopefully show you something new about him. Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, uh, number, oh my God, where the fuck am I? Okay, and number three, I have Dumb, which is the story of Big Brother, which is basically Jackass in a magazine, like the MTV show Jackass, but in a magazine. It was a skating magazine that was kind of just like, basically taught you how to party and make like weed brownies and just the fucking like, <laughs> something your parents didn't want you to read, basically. Um, but it was kind of fun to watch these guys from like their humble beginnings of, you know, writing this like shitty skateboard magazine and then being bought by Hustler and then ending up like, you know, starting the show Jackass. Uh, really great. Uh, number two is the Defiant Ones, which is kind of like a series, but it's all about um, Dr. Dre and oh my God. Fuck. I totally forgot the guy's name. Another record producer. Um, and it's like, how one guy started off like doing shit for like uh, John Lennon and how Dr. Dre started off doing um, 
you know, the NWA stuff and producing and how their producings have led them and how they kind of changed the game and uh, producing music. But it's like a four part, four or five part documentary on HBO. Uh, really good. They're long. They're like, some of them are like an hour long, like movie, movie length, but it's like really informative. And these guys have worked with uh, great people. Really good. Um, and number one, I think we all know what it's going to be right here on Superhouse Podcast. Uh-huh. Batman and Bill. Yep. Do I need to say Correct. anything else? I mean, watch it, people. It's great. We did a whole fucking podcast. We did several podcasts about this documentary. It uh, it's, it's captivating. It's great. Uh, I mean, it's nice that Bill... It's fucking great that Bill Finger is finally getting credit. It was nice to see him on the Justice League credits, you know, and before that on Batman versus Superman. Um you know, and this guy, he, he needs credit. He needs credit for this creation. And it's great. It's a great documentary. It's heartwarming. And uh, it tears you apart, too, to know that there's just, you know. I mean, we all know. With you, These two guys live out in Hollywood. They know what it's like. And shit on. Maybe not. Maybe you're not getting shit on. But, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that, you know, like not getting credit for something. I mean, I feel like. You guys here would stand up for something like if you had any injustice, but not everyone's like that. And Bill Finger wasn't like that. And, you know, it was way worse back then too. Yeah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you, there's a whole we could do a whole other podcast about that, but yeah, keep going. But that's it. That's my number one. Batman and Bill is fucking right. amazing, and everyone should be watching it. I think Hulu kind of knocked it out of the park with documentaries this year for me personally. There's like a lot of stuff that I wanted to see that they were consistently putting up, and I think you know Batman and Bill. Like what I think was the first one that they put up, and then I think Dumb was after that, and then Obey Giant. So it was like three of my six. So um, here's some more Hulu documentaries, guys. They're good. Sweet. Nice. All right. Batman oh, yeah. Bill. Yeah, Batman Bill is my number one documentary because it's the only one that I've seen in like years. It's, and it's definitely good. yeah. It's worth every every moment. <laughs> All right. So I only have five as well, and. Uh, number five, uh, it's a Netflix one. I think it was Netflix anyway. What the health? I actually I like to watch a bunch of uh, health documentaries, nutrition documentaries. I try to, I mean, I try to. I don't like eat perfectly or whatever, but I try to know as much as I can. You know what I'm saying? I try to be as healthy as I as I possibly can. So uh, um, I thought that one was pretty good. Um, not maybe not the best one I've ever seen, but it was it was pretty good. Number four, um, unacknowledged. Um, I, I'm a huge, you know, alien UFO fan, and I do think a lot of the, a lot of the like stuff that they try to pass off as facts in this documentary is is a bunch of fucking bullshit. But I like the I like the uh, I like the take uh, of it enough, and um, basically I'm there for any kind of UFO alien stuff, and it was it was handled pretty well, so um, it definitely is uh, on the list. And then number three, uh, the dumb documentary that was on maddie's list that man so i grew up skateboarding i was very aware of big brother magazine i didn't know that they invented that whole like sequence shot thing like trans world was was like the uh was your mom's skateboarding magazine it was the one that your mom was okay with and trans world just had like one single shot like a really pretty shot of of the trick but then big brother had like the full sequence uh of the whole trick which actually could help you even learn the the move itself learn the trick itself when when i you know when you were skateboarding and the fact that it was like the epitome of counterculture you know your mom did not want you fucking having this magazine 
this this had this had like an article about how to kill yourself <laughs> you know it was all like done in fun but everything was a joke with this magazine but it was dude insane and just a yeah really great documentary it really captured my imagination and it was the genesis for jackass all those guys met uh working for big brother so dumb is number three number two i'd have to say jim and andy i need to watch that wonderful fucking documentary man um you know jim carrey was in the news recently saying a bunch of whacked out shit about jim is not here and all this you do get a little bit more of that in this film and it does make a bit more sense because they give him more time to explain his position on things and uh, he explains in the documentary that this footage didn't see the light of day for the longest time because they didn't want Jim Carrey, the star, seeming like an asshole <laughs> to the public. And uh, yeah, dude, it it's insane. Like he went full method with it. And uh, just to see all this and like Milos Foreman, the director, is like having a hard time with Jim doing this. He didn't really ask him to do it, but he but that, that's that was his approach to the film and it's great it's a fucking great documentary and then number one is of course batman and bill are you fucking kidding me that was a fucking fucking amazing and that movie you know we got athena finger on the fucking podcast uh i was tweeting her you know in the middle of me watching that fucking film so yeah fucking great um yeah that's my list it's a good one, Andrew. <laughs> Thanks, man. Really want to see, probably would be on the list, but isn't because I'm not on. I haven't seen it yet. Is the Vietnam series that Ken Burns did? Everybody says it's amazing, and Ken Burns is kind of the uh, father of the American documentary. I, he invented the fucking film dissolve, I think, from a picture. Like that's how fucking like that's how far back this guy goes. <laughs> they call it the Ken Burns effect. Dissolving from dissolving from a still picture to a to a film, it's so, it'll be. I just I watched like three of the jazz his uh, jazz documentary series. Yeah, yeah. I watched like the first three volumes of that, and dude, it's fucking. Whew, it's so in depth, dude. It's intense. I'm sure Vietnam is exactly the same. Everybody says that, and then also City of Ghosts and Icarus, and probably a whole lot more. Can't get yeah. to it all. So, all right, let's move on to video games. Yeah. Go ahead, Maddie. All right. Um, I only got five, um, and they're all new, unlike last year where I was like, I only played one new game. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, um, uh, at number five, I have Star Wars Battlefront Two. I literally just finished up the campaign, and then the um, the little thing they released after Last Jedi came out. Um, the campaign is great. It's, it's Star Wars, man, and uh, it gives a little more insight to the Battle of Jakku, you get a little, uh, you get a little uh, that ties in a little bit with the Last Jedi too. Um, I was telling Ben earlier before we started, there was a older Leia scene that I kind of just got a little teary eyed during because Carrie Fisher's no longer with us, and it's kind of hard. It, it, Leia's gone, man. You know, and it's it gets me every time. Um, uh, number four, our a good friend of ours, Matt Lefferts, worked on a game called Hob. It's great. I can't finish it because it's so fucking hard, and I don't know where the fuck I am right now, and the puzzle's killing me. Uh, but uh, I do plan to finish it. I wish I would have before this podcast. But I have finished every other game besides this one. But I loved it. It's like Zelda for, you know, it plays a lot to the Z Zelda, the dungeon crawler. And, you know, uh, I forgot how much I missed games like that until Hob came out. Uh, very upsetting that Ruining It Games isn't uh, around anymore. They made a great game, and... 
you know, for whatever reason, it didn't take off. I feel like this game will probably, in several years, people will probably be talking about how cool it is. Where, well, I'm talking about it right fucking now. Catch up, people. Get on board. Um, next up, number three, I got Friday the 13th. Uh, we've all played this at Superhouse. Um, great game. Lots of fun. Um, they're adding some new stuff. I can't wait to get back into it. Paranoia is coming out. I think right now they do have where you can play as Jason and fight bots. I hear they're pretty dumb, though, so it's pretty easy if you've played the game, like fighting actual uh, other players. Uh, um, so, but the, And the, the virtual cabin is out, too, which I haven't explored that. Um, and, uh, yeah, Paranoia is basically if you're all counselors and then one of you is the killer, um, which actually sounds pretty interesting. So I can't wait to jump back into that. Uh, number two is Hellblade, Sinuous Sacrifice. Um, it's kind of like a an indie game. Um, it's just great, man. It's kind of bare bones. Uh, it's, it's kind of a fighting game telling a story, but the uh, main character has a mental illness. Uh, it's basically bipolar disorder. Um, they don't call it that since it's set during uh, the Viking times, so uh, they don't really have a word or a phrase for it. But uh, the audio is really great because you get all these different voices and things going on in your left and right speaker. Um, but just a very cool like way to uh, to make a video game. Um, uh, also, the the main character Sinua is very cool. Uh, they also incorporate like some film stuff. Which you haven't really seen since like the beginning of gaming, you know, when they used to use like video stuff to portray like a story idea, but then you'd play as like a, a an animated character. So that was kind of nice to see some of that kind of incorporated. Um, but yeah, story's really good, and uh, a lot of the creatures or the dead that you fight in are pretty terrifying, and the villains are really cool looking too. Um, my number one pick. I didn't think it would be this. I thought it was going to be Friday the 13th, but Dead by Daylight. I fucking love this game. Um, and I know it did come wow. out like 2015 for computers, but this is the year it came out for console, and that's all I play. So it's going to be my 2017 pick. I don't care what any of you all say. Uh, but I love it. The upgradability of it, um, getting different perks to make your characters better. Uh, I like that you have an opportunity, if you're the last survivor, to get out. Uh, in Friday the 13th, you kind of just... Or, all right, well, I'm going to die at some point unless I can figure out how to get this car started by myself. Um, I like that you don't necessarily have to use teamwork once you're, the, like, the final couple of people. Um, and I do like that it's a different killer each time with their own kind of abilities. I mainly play as a survivor right now just because I'm trying to reach a certain kind of get a trophy. So um, I've just been playing that. But I do like that each game you don't know who you're going to step into. And they have the rights to Leatherface, Freddy Cougar and Michael Myers, and I've played some terrifying games where Michael Myers has a stock ability, and he can just be staring at you, and it's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dead by Daylight, I think it's great. Um, I definitely recommend picking it up, because uh, if you follow Super House Podcast, we should play, because why not? Nice, bro. Yeah. All right, only have five as well, and here we go. So number five, I'm putting uh, Friday the 13th, the game on there. I think that if uh, we were all here, like Joey and, and James and everybody and Johnson, if this pro this game would probably be the overall winner of the year. Yeah, this is the Superhouse game. Okay, it um, is. We all play this Thank together you. quite a bit, and uh, yeah. So that's number five for me. Um, number four, I'm cheating a little bit because I think it came out earlier, but I know DLC came out for it this year. 
and also, is it cheating if I played it for the first time this year? Anyway, I put in yes, Elite Dangerous, Elite Dangerous for PC. Um, it's a it's a VR space sim, and it's the most immersive fucking space sim they've ever made until Star Citizen comes out. Uh, it's fucking wonderful. You really feel like you're fucking like going through space and doing. Hey, shit! I don't know. You you gotta you gotta play it. You gotta play it to really really get into it, and you gotta do it in VR or or or, or don't do it at all. It's great. Um, <clears throat> number three, South Park: The Fractured Butthole. <laughs> uh, I love the first one, and this one also great. This one actually might even be a little bit better. Uh, it's hilarious. It's like a really good star uh, Star Wars. It's like a really good South Park episode. And yeah. it's a uh, long, it's a like a long episode, and I think it's longer than Stick of Truth. But uh, anyway, I just beat this game today too, probably like three or four hours ago. Um, great, it was just it's it's fucking great. Um, definitely would get the next one as well. Um, number two, again, possibly cheating a little bit, but uh, I did play it for the first time this year and beat it. Uh, Resident Evil Seven and PSVR. Holy shit, what an experience, man! That game is fucking incredible. Um, I don't even know if I could play that again because it was scary as fuck. But it was, I mean, as far as like gaming experiences go, memorable ones, just being horrified in, in the house of Resident Evil, you know, being absolutely terrified to open a door, but you kind of have to, to be sneaking around shadows and, the, you know, ah, man. Amazing, just just incredible. Um, and then number one, Injustice Two, baby. Huge fighting game fan here, and a uh, huge DC fan. Um, I've been playing it all year long, and we're gonna get Ninja Turtles in this game soon. And they just released the Atom, which is fucking great. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the DLC has pretty much all been good. I didn't like Starfire at first, but now she's growing on me. Um, Great! I've been playing it. It's my most played game this year. Uh, just I just keep coming back to it. I play, I play online all the time. I played it a lot while on over Christmas break. So, yeah, that's my list. My still want to play probably would have made the list, but didn't play is Sonic Mania, Horizon Zero Dawn, Mario Odyssey, Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Cuphead, Arizona Sunshine, and Battlezone. Yeah, all those two. Yeah, man. And I haven't finished Resident Evil Seven, but it's on my. It'd probably be my number six. I just I don't know, man. Like I got to a point, and then I came to LA, and then I just didn't get back into it. I'm gonna have to restart it, but I plan on finishing it at some point. Oh man, it's excellent. Oh holy fuck, Sonic Mania also surprisingly on a lot of top lists. Yeah. I was I was surprised by that. I'm gonna get that next probably. Anyway, moving on to music. Yeah. Take it away, Maddie. All right, cool. I got 10. I think, you know, we haven't had a heavy rotation since Stefan had to go to Vietnam and, like, leave me alone here. And, I mean, I'll get over that. But, all right, number 10, I have Quicksand, the album's Interiors. These guys haven't made an album in, like, 20 years. I remember listening to their album Slip. It came out in the 90s, and I was blown away by it. Um, and this one is a departure from what they sounded like, but it still sounds like Quicksand. I was so surprised. It's kind of chill for them being kind of like this alternative kind of like post hardcore band. Um, but it's a great album, man. It's uh, got some chill stuff, got some kind of rocking stuff too, but not 
it's not where they were, but it's a great progression as how you would th hopefully think that some of your favorite artists would be in 20 years after like an album in the 90s um, is cool. Um, number nine, I have Proto Martyr, uh, Relatives and Descent. Uh, these guys are like kind of like when you read reviews about them from several places, they're really hard to get into. When you first listen to them, I feel like you want to hate them. Um, but like there's so much more going on with Proto Martyr, like, me like instrumentation wise and then with lyrically and um this one's like um the agent intellect album before this one i really like it took me a while to get into it but once i like got it i fucking loved it relatives in descent is the same way and i'm still not fully there but i know i'm getting there which is kind of weird because i feel like some people mainly was like oh if it doesn't sound good to me i'm not into it and sometimes i think you have to work to appreciate music i think jazz is that way you know, like it's, it's okay. Like people put on easy jazz and that's great. Like you can kind of listen to it and be like, Oh, this is nice. Sounds good to my ears. But to get to the point of like the more avant-garde jazz is, is it's work, but you kind of want to go there as someone who listens to jazz. And I feel like Proto Martyr is kind of a band like that, where you have this really great instrumentation, but you have this guy who's not the best singer. And sometimes it's a lot of spoken word, but it all works together, but it's weird. And, uh, yeah, it would be my number nine pick. Uh, number eight, I have the band Full of Hell, Trumpeting Ecstasy. These guys are fucking, they clock into work, they do their job, and then they clock fucking down, dude. I think their longest song is two minutes long, but it's brutal. It's just in your face. They don't fucking relent. It's fucking great. The name of the band is Trumpeting Ecstasy? No, the name of the band is called Full of Hell. The name of the album is Trumpeting, es <laughs> okay, Trumpeting gotcha. Ecstasy. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, there's actually kind of a chill song on this album too, but it fits right in. It's great. Uh, next up, I have Paul Bear Heartless, which um, Heavy Rotation talked about. Uh, dude, this album's fucking great. If you like doom metal at all, um, it's Paul Bear is like one of like the leading people in that in that genre right now. They like, they're on probably people's top ten doomless uh heartless is no exception i think it shows a little maturity in them and they do some things differently whereas albums before it like they kind of played it safe with the doom metal but i actually think i like uh heartless a lot more than those other albums just because they're progressing and trying something new next up i have a band called brutus and the name of the album is burst and it's just straight up punk rock and roll man it's fucking dope it's got a chick singer and she fucking wails and it's not, she doesn't have the best voice, but that's what makes it so great. Um, and the guitar <laughs> licks are fucking so smooth, dude. Um, I love it. All right, this is getting into my top five now. So top five, kind of a last entry here. Uh, Glassdraw surprisingly dropped an album this year. I, it was rumored, people didn't know, but it's called Material Control and it's fucking dope. So good. My only complaint is it's a little short, but seeing them at Riot Fest a couple of years ago, and then having them release a new album with, to me, it sounds, uh, the lead singer Daryl Palumbo has said that this is the way they always intended Glassjaw to sound. And it's great. It has a lot of musical influences. It's it's really heavy at times, but it's also kind of dancey at times. And I don't know, man, just give it a listen. It's fucking great. Um, number four, um, last year I put a, a band on my list, which was number one. It was called The Black Queen. Um, and they featured the lead singer of Dillinger Escape Plan and two guys who've toured with Nine Inch Nails. And it's a very like throwback to like Cure, New Order, um, Depeche Mode. And Drab Majesty is also the same thing. That album's called The Discussion. 
and it just sounds like the fucking it just sounds like Depeche Mode and The Cure and New Order got together. They had an amazing child called Drab Majesty. It's so fucking good. Uh, number three is a band called The National. I've been listening to these guys since their first album. They're from Cincinnati. Didn't realize this till like several months ago. The name of the album is called Sleep Well Beast. It's heartbreaking and fucking so good. Um, oh man, it's just, I just listen to it. Do yourself a favor. Um, love it. It's a, if I had to compare it to anything, it'd probably be kind of Joy Divisionist ish with uh, a lot of a lot more instrumentation, just not like that post punk kind of feel to it. Um, number two. I, I knew this was going to be somewhere on here. I didn't know it landed at number two, but Kendrick Lamar's Dan. Holy fuck. What a great fucking rap album. It's so good. Love Kendrick Lamar. I, you know, I don't say this. A lot of rappers say this, but I will say he's probably the greatest rapper of all time. Um, but yeah, check it out if you haven't. There's the... He just released the uh, Dan uh, in uh, opposite order, which is the way it was intended to be listened to. I'm kind of weary about that because, like, why wouldn't you just release it that way originally? But whatever. Sometimes you got to make that cash. And number one, my one of my all-time favorite bands, Converge, The Dusk and Us. It's fucking great. It's brutal, but it also shows a maturity, which, you know, for guys that grew up in the Boston hardcore scene, you would expect just the same thing. But I think with every album with these guys, they push that musical genre. And there's, like... <laughs> A friend of mine was like, oh, I'll let you listen to these chill checks on the new Converge album. She's like, this is chill. I was like, well, for Converge, it is. Um, so it's got some kind of like neurosis kind of jams to it, but with that Converge kind of flavor to it. It's a great album. It's my number one. Probably every year Converge releases an album will probably be the number one. Um, but that's my music. Nice, bro. <clears throat> I always have to disclaim here with music. I, I, I feel slightly out of my element. I'm not, I just, I couldn't make a podcast out of it for sure. You know, like, like you and uh, Stefan do. Um, I'm a big fan of music, but I don't know. It's just, it's, I feel a little bit out, out of my element more than I am with, I feel, you know, very comfortable with, with TV and games and movies. But anyway, now that that's out of the way, um, number I only have three, and I'm just gonna put uh, Nightmare Logic by Power Trip, thrash album. It was it's fucking great. I, I like the throwback style. Uh, it, it seems like thrash is somewhat of a comeback, but anyway, it's 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 good. Um, X, uh, Swing of the Axe or whatever. That's a fucking great song, man. Um, and then I kind of have to cheat again because I didn't listen to a bunch of new shit. But these came out. I, I discovered these in 2017. All right. <laughs> Uh, the Armor of Ire by I Eternal Champion. Fucking great fantasy metal album, man. Oh my god, I, I listened to this 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 album like like all the way through several several times. Um, there's like three or four tracks on there that are just fucking incredible. I wish they were on Spotify, but they're not. They're called Eternal Champion. If anybody wants to look them up, uh. And, and then and again, number two and number one could switch places, uh, you know, just depending on my mood. But uh, brute force by the algorithm—it's this band that kind of mixes uh, techno, EDM, whatever the fuck you want to call it, with metal. Uh, mm. And to uh, you know, they're successful with it. And uh, in my opinion, anyway, it was a fucking great album. I, it's the kind of album that I probably would have really enjoyed when I was fourteen. You know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's really a metric for anything, but it just feels like uh, 
I don't know. It's 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 really good. I listened to it uh, like a lot. It was on my you know Spotify for everybody. Everybody has Spotify. They had Spotify made this list automatically. Your top listened to tracks of 2017, and that was like three, four, five of those tracks were on that that top ten list from this album. So, uh, <laughs> fucking great, man. I, I thought it was really good, and it's uh, also uh, instrumental, no vocals whatsoever. So. Kind of, kind of cool stuff going on there, and uh, that's basically it. I think the only ca- uh, category we have left, Maddie, is uh, most look forward to. Oh yeah, dude, I'm ready. So right, much, Bring so it. much out there. What are we doing first? Are we doing movies? Let's do movies. All right, I got a list, boy. I got a list. All right, I'm gonna start at the bottom. These are kind of in order. I mean, not. Re- I mean, I'm gonna see all these, but I'll just go from the bottom up to the to, to the very tip top. All right. Um, oh, shit. Sorry. Give me one second. All right. I think I have like 15, but I'm not really going to number them. I'm just going to go. Um, uh, got Ant-Man and the Wasp. I uh, thought Ant-Man 1 was funny, and surprisingly, I wish Edgar Wright would have done it, but I enjoyed that movie. I'm very excited to see uh, the Wasp come into uh, the Marvel Universe. Um, always can use more ladies, so yeah. Uh, next up, I got Aquaman. Um, James Wan uh, made some uh, stellar horror films in his day, so I'm very excited to see what he'll do with a uh, superhero property. Hopefully, get with some horror aspects and some creatures, but who knows? Um, next up, I got Maze Runner: Death Cure. I love these Maze Runner movies. I shouldn't, <laughs> but I guilty pleasure, guilty pleasure, man. I the first one, I was like, oh, why are they stuck in this maze? I need to know why. I need to know. And then I found out, and I was like, all right, you got me. Then the second one came out, and I was like. Okay, yeah, I definitely need to know what the fuck's going on um, and uh, with this virus and shit. So I'm very excited to see this trilogy kind of close up because I kind of think like they were overshadowed by like Divergent and um, Hunger Games. And I think they're way better than both of those uh, like young adult movies that came out. Um, next up, I have The Nun, which is from Conjuring 2, directed by James Wan. And I was not excited about this because I thought The Nun was kind of creepy, but I was like, whatever. But the director, Corin Hardy, made this movie called The Hallow, which is a fucking great, like, kind of pumpkinhead-esque kind of uh, English-Irish folklore kind of story. And I just remember seeing a visual from that film, and it's a guy with a scythe on fire. And I was like, I need to fucking watch that movie right now. Man, that sounds amazing. So, yeah, watch The ha- The Hallow. is fucking great. I think it came out, like, 2015. But um, he's doing The Nun, so I'm excited just to see it, to see what he'll do with it. Next up, Venom. I mean, come on. It's a monster superhero movie. I'm in, you know, uh, and plus the cast is fucking ridiculous, man. I hope it's good because they that cast deserves to be in a good fucking that comes out next year. It was on the list of 2018. So fuck, dude, they're rushing. Probably going to be late, but um, that's cool. That's cool. Keep going. going. Then I got uh, Black Panther um, because why not? I mean, I need to see that movie, man. It looks fucking great. Uh, Next up, Deadpool 2. Then again, because it's going to be great. Um, then I got Ready Player One, because I read the book. I love it. I'm excited to see what they do with the movie. I think they're making a lot of cool, um, I uh, blending different um, eras, like 80s, 90s, and even current. Um, cu- culture uh, is great, because you're going to get this audience that might not know who the fuck, uh, you know, Chucky is, or who uh, a Gundam Mobile uh, is, or... 
you know, so it's kind of cool that Overwatch characters are in it and you're kind of playing. That's because Spielberg is a fucking genius, man. He's like, I'm going to get people to see my fucking movie. I'm going to put all their favorite shit in this. You got my money, Spielberg. You did it again. Uh, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. I mean, come on. Fuck. Wait, I mean, what, what number is that one? I don't know, man. It's, there's 15 <laughs> of these motherfuckers at this point. I mean, I've seen a lot of... At this point, just with this list, I'm seeing 15 films. Okay, so, gotcha. gotcha. Um, uh, after, I mean, why wouldn't you see Avengers Infinity War if you watched all the other ones? You're going to go see it. It's, like I was saying to a friend, I was like, uh, Disney, can you just can I just pay you in advance and like you can just like let me into these movies or send me the DVD? Like let's set something up because you got my money for the next like twenty years. So let's just uh, set up some kind of payment plan. Um, next up, I got Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I think the animation looks dope in this. Um, from this one, I heard about it, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Miles Morales, so I will be seeing this movie. Um, Next up, uh, A Quiet Place, which is John Krasinski, uh, written, directed, uh, looks like a horror film, um, where the whole film's basically silent, because if they make a noise, uh, something's going to come and get them. I don't really know much more about it, but it's got him and his wife in it, and I think one of the actors is actually deaf in it. Um, so I'm very interested. The trailer looked really dope. Um, very interested to see where that goes. Uh these are my top five. A Quiet Place starts at number five. I just think it looks interesting, and I think y'all know me by now. I love me a good horror movie. Um, so next up, I got The New Mutants. I think out of all the comic book films I'm excited for, this one intrigues me the most because then again, it's got a horror movie spin on it. So, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, so this is my top three. Number three, Annihilation, because I think it looks fucking dope. I think it just looks very interesting. I think it's going to go over a lot of people's heads. Probably a lot of people aren't going to see it, but I think it's going to be on a, like a lot of top 10 lists. Uh, Ex Machina was great, but Alex Garland is like written um, for the film. And I, there's this movie called Enslaved Odyssey to the West, the video game he wrote. The ending is kind of shitty, but the rest of the game is written well, really well. So I have high hopes for Annihilation. And I read the book a couple of years ago and really enjoyed it. It's a really heavy book. Um, so I had to reread a lot of it, and I'm listening to it again to try to finish. It's a trilogy. I don't know if this is going to be a trilogy of films or whatnot, but it's got Natalie Portman in it and Oscar Isaacs, so I'm fucking there. Uh, number two is Solo, a Star Wars story, because I'm a Star Wars fan, and why won't I be watching a Star Wars movie next year? There's no reason why. I'll be there. And number one, I think everyone probably knows what it's going to be, The Predator. <laughs> do i really need to say anything else i mean it's got the predator in it number one and tom jane's in it and uh that's it yeah that's all i got that's it that's my <laughs> list <laughs> all right i have 10 and honestly this is really hard man this is one of the hardest lists to make because you just don't Dude, know how good a movie's going to be and all that shit that's why there's 15 that's why i had 15 yeah well, I kept it at 10, and certainly I could have put a lot of yours in, in a 15. But anyway, let's get started. I put uh, Ready Player One at number 10. Um, we read the books. It was our only book uh, review <laughs> section on Superhouse ever, and uh, it went well. And it's just going to be very interesting to see how this is, uh, how this is uh, all going to end up. Um, I'm actually putting Solo at number 9. Why so low? 
<laughs> because uh it, it's it's the production seems to have been a fucking mess and i mean it's almost like is this going to be a fucking justice league kind of thing i mean probably not quite that bad but i don't know and i mean i do like ron howard as a director but there's just it seems to be like like this production's been quite the mess so anyway uh moving on from that uh actually isle of dogs i'm interested in isle of dogs it's wes anderson in japan you got me i do like wes anderson films so um <clears throat> yeah I, I definitely want to see that one uh i put uh x-men dark phoenix at seven um uh you know i'm getting tired of the brian singer stuff but uh and you know everything that's kind of spawned from that, but uh, it's X Men, man. I'm gonna be there, so uh, let's let's fucking do it. Venom at six. Very interested to see how this is gonna fucking turn out. R rated. Tom Hardy. Don't know who the fuck is playing Carnage. If Carnage is even in it, um, you know, not everything needs to be rated R. But you know, if Venom, if, if Venom is your main character and you can go full on with the gore. I, let's fucking do it. So I'm fucking. Give me that hard R. I'm really in. I'm really, I'm really fucking in. And uh, New Mutants number five. Ooh. Uh, Maisie Williams. Uh, you know, X Men again, but this time it's a horror film. It's a new take. I'm fucking in. I can I cannot fucking wait. Um, number four, Deadpool two. Deadpool one is one of my favorite. It's probably top five for me as far as uh, comic book movies of all time i am a huge fan of the first deadpool movie it's it's fucking great um so i'm super excited to see what's going to happen with this one i'm sad to see tim miller go but whatever i'm sure everything's going to work out fine and then uh number three i'm putting aquaman um i'm very excited to see what's going to happen with this film james wan great fucking director uh, it's awesome to see Dolph Lundgren in it, and uh, you know I think it's gonna turn out fucking fucking great. Uh, number two, Black Panther. Holy shit, dude! I watched the trailer over and over and over. Uh, I think it's gonna be fucking wonderful. I'm almost kind of I'm concerned it's gonna be better than Avengers three. Honestly, uh, I think it's it, dang some bold statements being laid out before us right now. I'm worried that's gonna be that good. You know, like I think I fucking ah God, I fucking that trailer, but all those trailers fucking loved them. And Ryan Coogler, guy that did Creed, perfect choice, dude. Holy fucking shit. Uh, and then number one, gotta be Avengers three. Just to see the conclusion of a bunch of shit. I think a lot of shit's gonna go down. I think we're probably gonna see Cap die. And Ooh, uh, don't you say it, I th dude? I think it's gonna happen, man. Either that or Iron Man. Yeah, or, or Iron Man, or both. You know, they could fucking really fucking throw us for a loop with this one. So that, I mean, honestly, yeah, there, there can, there's nothing that's going to beat number one uh, my, as far as most look forward to. Um, it's it's called The Predator, and I already said it. So Yeah, that's one that would make a top 15 <laughs> probably. I, I just, yeah, a lot of good ones just didn't make the list, man. Spider-Verse, all those films. Some had to get cut. That's all I got to say. Yeah. We'll be seeing them. Don't worry. Superhouse podcast. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm seeing the Predator like Thursday midnight. Oh, dude. Ooh. Probably two viewings that day. 
<laughs> gotta, gotta, man, gotta. All right, most look forward to for TV. Um, you have anything for that? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Wait, did I make one? Sorry, hold on. I'll I run. actually didn't. I didn't. I didn't make one because I feel like it's like. I mean, out. It's Stranger Things season three. Um, anything that I said during my favorite TV of this this year, I want to see a season three of. So. Yeah, I I didn't really like put them in any kind of order for any of these other look forward to lists. So I'll just run through real quick. Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Luke Cage Season 2, Jessica Jones Season 2, and the continuation of The Flash. Yeah. That's all my shit, I think. And I'm probably there'll, there'll be some surprises from Netflix, I'm sure. Yeah. How about games for 2018? Oh, I got them. All right. Um, they're not in any order. Um, I have six. Uh, I'll just start at the bottom. Uh, Days Gone, which is like this kind of like zombie post-apocalyptic kind of um, The Last of Us kind of thing, but it looks like it's more kind of like GTA, like it's like an open world seems kind of game. Uh, looks kind of cool. Um, then, well, shit, Last of Us 2, if it comes out, like I don't know what a release date of that is, so maybe I have seven. Uh, there's this game called Biomutant coming out, and you play as this like weird cat-looking creature, and you have this like huge sword and gun. It just looks crazy. I, it looks fun. I don't know much more about it, but it comes out on PS4, and I'll probably check it out. And then I have this game called Vampire, um, which, why the fuck not, man? I love horror. It's, <laughs> it's like kind of like an RPG vampire game, and you get to suck, suck people's blood. Like, When's the last time you played a game like that? It's been a while, and you haven't done it recently. Legacy of so, Pain? Yeah, well, like, how long ago was that? Yeah, PS2 days? Yeah, we need Soul a new Weaver? one. Uh, my top three, um, I got Spider-Man by Insomniac Games. I fucking didn't think I wanted a new Spider-Man game, but just like Spider-Man Homecoming, bring it on. I'm ready. I think it's going to be cool. Uh, and then number two, I have God of War, just because I was kind of done. I didn't even finish God of War 3. I just kind of got burnt out on it. But this one, de- dealing with Norse mythology and having a son seems kind of cool, and... The graphics look dope. And then my number one is Far Cry 5. Because you are it's like you're taking out a cult. And why wouldn't I want to do that? <laughs> and you also have a dog as a partner that you can send in to fuck people up. I'm in. Far Cry 5. Nice. Uh, yeah, mine, uh, I would have to say, uh, at the bottom of the list, probably, I, I just saw this today, actually, but Mega Man 11. I've been a Mega Man fan since I was a kid. I fucking love that series. Mighty Number no. Nine did suck ass, but I'm always there. I wish it was a Mega Man X game because I like those more, but whatever. Uh, anyway, the top three would have to be Spidey on PS4. Got to have that one, and then Soul Calibur Six. Just like Batty's there for horror shit every time. I'm gonna be there every time for fighting games. I'm a huge fan of that series. Glad to see it back, and then also Star Citizen. Probably number one. Um, that game looks to be incredible. You're going to go uh, from space sim to landing on a planet real time with your ship, getting off, and then it becomes a first-person shooter on that planet. What the fuck else could you ask for? You actually can already play this game in beta, but you have to like sign up or you know and all that shit. But I haven't done that yet. It hasn't been officially released. So anyway, that's my list. Um, any, anything else that we're looking forward to in 2018? Any other categories? No, I have a music one. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I made it real quick. Um, so six albums, there's this band called uh, Moaning coming out on Sub Pop. Kind of like 
lo-fi indie stuff looks cool interested in hearing what the rest of that record sounds like i think they have like a song or two released that i've heard and i i, I enjoyed it um my bloody valentine while along with re-releasing loveless and say anything um they are going to be releasing a new album and i love my bloody valentine so yeah and i want that i want that reissue of loveless because it's a fantastic fucking album um this might be a surprise to some people but i really like vampire weekend like a lot they just wow. make good fucking pop music and it's they're like uh the simon and garfunkel or you know the paul simon of today to me or in the indie scene um but they have a new record coming out um stuff i've read about it uh, i guess the lead singer did some stuff with kanye and like the things he learned from him like seems weird and interesting i'm kind of interested to hear what they have uh have going on in the new album um my other ones are speculations that have sort of been confirmed deaf heaven hasn't released a record since 2015 so i we're probably going to get a new record from them um so i'm very excited for that i love that band um there's another band that's on death wish records uh called young and in the way and they're fucking their album from i think 2015 uh is fucking brutal as hell and the guy's scream is he's shredding his vocal cords but it sounds fucking great and my number one can't wait for one of my favorite bands that come out in recent years, Cult Leader. They're fucking brutal. And they put on one of the best shows I've ever seen in a shitty bar. The guy sounds <laughs> like his voice is being drawn up from hell itself. And he's such a small guy. And it's, oh, I can't wait. Uh, it, it, there's some rumors and just little things on the internet that, like, it's coming. So I can't wait for a new Cult Leader album. My only thing would be whatever the fucking next Tool album's coming out. Yeah, that would be on there too. But who knows? Who knows with those fucking guys? Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. So that concludes our best of 2017 list. All right. So hard pivot right into it. It's time <laughs> for bold statements. Oh, no, I'm not ready. Don't do it. <laughs> all right, Ben. Let's let's hear it, man. All right. You ready? No. Let me pull up my uh, 20 pages of. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that it's gonna be that long. <laughs> my thesis upon the. Well, here's the thing. Like, yeah. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't able to make it to your guys' discussion on Last Jedi. So this is kind of part two, I guess. This time with me. Um, here's my statement. If the Star Wars prequels were the Batman and Robin of Star Wars, Last Jedi to me is the Batman versus Superman of Star Wars. Damn. You have a long, meandering story with pieces that don't always add up. You have a lot of controversial choices with tone and creativity, stuff like the death of a hero they didn't really have to kill off. You have a director who's divided the fan base. You have an attempt at deconstruction. You have certain scenes that people sort of have turned into memes. You have a fight scene in both that is kind of universally loved, no matter what, being the warehouse scene in Batman vs Superman or the Ray and Kylo versus the guards and Last Jedi. You have controversy over Rotten Tomato scores. You have people arguing over the type of fans who like it, the type of fans who don't. There's debates about people being too attached to the old versions of these characters and not being open to new ideas. And it's going to be followed by a movie that also has had a complete change over in directors. So we have a lot of things in common here. And I was, for me personally, I was disappointed in both. I'm not. As much as I trash on Batman vs. Superman, I don't regard it as the worst movie ever. It was just hugely disappointing for me as somebody who grew up with these characters, and I felt a similar way with Last Jedi. 
I I have a question about this. Can I, can I, can yeah. I ask? Uh, so are you saying that Last Jedi is as bad as Batman vs Superman? No, I'm saying it's the equivalent. Okay, I got you. Yeah, franchise. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm between the two movies. I probably still watch Last Jedi over it, but I probably, in the end, avoid both. <laughs> like, okay, I I feel like I've once is enough for me on both movies. But I, I'll yeah, if push comes to shove, I would see both again just to if I, if I had to. But uh, it's it's kind of been this divisive. They're both sort of divisive movies among their uh, perspective franchises and they're both movies that I think could have been done a lot better and ones that um, I don't know it's interesting because my critiques over both movies are different from other people's critiques over the movies Batman versus Superman people um, are kind of bringing up the whole like oh yeah like Batman shouldn't kill thing and I'm like you know I was sitting there being like I've seen Batman kill in like all the other movies except for George Clooney like this is this isn't new for me. It wasn't one of the things that I thought. Like my my bigger issue wasn't necessarily anything to do with that or the deconstruction stuff. It was the way that um, I just didn't really uh, the way that the story was told. It was the execution. And Last Jedi, I feel like had ideas I was on board with. It was just the execution of it I wasn't a big fan of. Um, a lot of the there's been debates about. Uh, you know, some people love it because it did stuff that was different. Some people hate it because it did stuff that was different. Um, I'm kind of a third party that doesn't really think it was all that different, honestly. Yes, they did have new parts about the Force, but um, there is a lot of the original movies in this that's in a more subtle way than Force Awakens had a lot of new hope. But there's a lot of Empire in this. You have, you know, they both sort of start with the villains trying to strike on the good guys' base and they have to evacuate. Empire guys are always kind of in a slow chase for most of this movie. The main, you know, the main crew of heroes who've kind of been off on their own side mission get betrayed by a dude they shouldn't have trusted still. Like you, and then of course, you know, everyone's comparing the whole someone else, you know, the whole Jedi apprentice on a planet where there's a hermit who's sort of isolated himself. And that whole thing about them going into a cave and seeing a vision of, of themselves and eventually just leaving to go off to fight the villain. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, like I see that you're sort of taking the same puzzle pieces and turning them around and making it slightly different. But it's still still there. You didn't necessarily have to play it out that way. You kind of, I mean, the Ray stuff with Luke, you kind of had to play it that way because that was how Force Awakens ended. So you're sort of expected to pick up the pieces from there. But uh, the stuff with the resistance didn't necessarily have to go out that way either. I kind of felt stuff like the scene with the salt planet where they filmed the whole scene just to say that was salt was just kind of, it was kind of to me saying like, Hey, it's not hot because it's salt. Yeah. (laughs) But instead of the beginning of the movie, it's at the end, but we'll still have at it, you know, AT-AT, you know, AT-AT walkers and the rebels fleeing and the, Empire taking over the base with our black cape dude coming in. You know, it's all, it's very much the same things. Like, it's, it's a similar thing that I had with Man of Steel, actually, because a lot of people were like, people don't like it because it's not Christopher Reeve. I'm just like, actually, I would have liked it more if they didn't, if they avoided some of the stuff that was in the Christopher Reeve movie. I didn't, a lot of people liked the stuff on Krypton getting, but I was like, why are we starting here again? 
especially because I thought all the exposition needed about Zod and Jor-El and everything was pretty much repeated later on when Kal-El finds the ship and meets Russell Crowe. You know, why does he have to see his dad die and feel helpless about it again? Why does he have to fight Zod again? Um, everything like that. So I'm, I'm sort of, I guess I'm this weird third party who is just like, actually, to me, it wasn't all that different. Um, let's see. I've other stuff that in terms so like it's not really a big thing that I feel is against the movie. It's just one of those things where I'm just I'm weirdly not agreeing with some of the critiques while still have my own critiques. Um, my biggest thing is that um, I just don't really see a lot that kind of that changes in this movie other than a few of the major characters dying. Snoke dies, Luke dies, Holdo dies, but, you know, Rey's still kind of this Jedi who's pretty powerful for where she's at, who wants to help the Resistance. Finn is still a good guy. Rose is still a good guy. Like, some people say that Finn's arc was about him trying to flee in the beginning, but he wasn't really trying to flee. He was just they trying to get to They don't know what to do with Rey. Finn, man. I, it's like they don't know how to write Finn. It's sad. Like, I, yeah, I, I always don't, felt I don't. like... His arc this, should be kind of intertwined with Poe's arc. Like he seems like he has no track. I'd like to see Poe take him under his wing, you know, and fucking like teach him how to be a pilot. There's even a scene in Force Awakens where he's like, "That's an awesome pilot" or whatever. Like he's he's always taking notice of Poe. He does become know. a pilot. <laughs> he got, but like I'd, I'd like, like to see him become like even better. Man. I don't I don't know, man. It just seems like there's they don't they don't know what to do with him anymore. This well, is what I mean, shouldn't have happened with Finn in this movie. Good, yeah. He should have been unconscious a lot of the movie. There should have never been like a fit, like Rose, whatever, figure her out. But for me, I, when I was like, figure, like, what was The Last Jedi going to be? I thought Finn would be in a coma for a lot of it. Because this movie literally takes place like at the end of The Force Awakens, which is the first time mm -hmm. that this has ever happened in a Star Wars movie. Right. Like, because usually it's like, oh, several months later, this event is happening. You know, it doesn't end with so a bunch of mysteries, right? It, it, like a lot of the Star Wars movies, uh, even Force Awakens, like it, it ends with some some mystery. You don't know what's going to happen next. But with this one, it's like it. it I think it, it writes it up I, a little bit too tightly for a second act. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I think there's a lot of know. mystery left. Like, where do you go from here? Like, you, you yeah, literally got like rid of all the mystery. Like, who's Phasma? Who's Snoke? Um, like, what's the story there? Who's who? Who are Ray's parents? You know, is I mean, there's mystery there. Nobody. I have questions. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't have any issue with them being nobody. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't. Anakin Skywalker was a fucking nobody. He's only somebody mm -hmm. because he has Luke Skywalker and Leia. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, that's, that's, that's really not the, that's the, I don't think that's a huge huge deal either. Oh, it right. is to a lot of people. If you fucking this shit online, I think it yeah. was just set up like a, it was. It was the way it was set up. With it's just the it's just the well, it, it doesn't like, matter so if they're nobody, but the fact that they were trying to set them up as somebody, and Ryan Johnson just didn't seem to like. Well, the thing that's set up is that Ray think, just wants to know who her parents are. So therefore, you have fanboys going, "Wait, her parents? She could be a Kenobi. She could be this." So, I, in my opinion, I think it's a lot of the family, and even myself, I was like, "Oh my god, is she going to tie into the universe?" Like, I think that's a lot of our misconception. And yeah, maybe some misdirection by JJ and the writers, but like, that's just to get you thinking. It doesn't necessarily mean that it should pay off in the right. end. 
like I don't have an issue with her being a nobody. I actually like that she's just someone who that can manipulate the force and be very powerful with it. Yeah. And first, and that she's a woman and she's in a fucking Star Wars movie as a Jedi. Which, come on, guys, like maybe that Force Awakens the first time we've seen a woman hold a lightsaber uh, and have a really long story arc and have speaking words and not die. So. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't got much issue because people. Go, well, in the prequels, there were women holding lightsabers. I understand, but they got taken out by Order sixty six. So yeah, nobody remembers you know. the names. Anybody, at least not nobody yeah. who's in the general average audience. Um, I mean, yeah, you have to watch like Clone Wars, the spinoff series, and then like that's a debate. Like, I get it. I've watched it, mm-hmm. but we're not talking about that. We're talking about feature films that people want, like go see. You know, like they like take their families out to and. You know, they're not getting into the extra stuff because they don't really care. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I have I have a lot of opinions on what we kind of just covered here about the whole... Because um, a lot of people were disappointed that there's no real answer about Snoke. And there's no, like, the the key to... Well, not the key, but the answer to the mystery of Ray's parents is that they were nobodies. Um, I, I feel like there's a certain reason for that. And I feel like most people who criticize those don't... I personally don't think they know the actual reasons why um, they're pissed about it. I feel like the whole thing about Ray's parents, it doesn't piss me off or anything. I do also like the idea, but I also wish it was replaced by some other... I think the reason why people wanted that was they wanted some explanation about how this girl is so much better at using the Force than any other person who has been a beginner. She's better than Anakin was, better than Luke was. Like, all the Jedis in the prequels and stuff were supposedly trained since they were kids and everything, and this girl's able to figure out how to do a Jedi mind Yeah, it's about... weird. There's that line. Because, I, I yeah. noticed this the second time I watched the film. Mm-hmm. There's a line from Snoke where he says, Snoke says, the, more, the, the stronger you get in the Force, Kylo, the stronger she gets as well. So it's like, does she even need training? It's because the Force is always seeking balance. And if she's already force sensitive, uh, like the the stronger he's get, the stronger she's going to get just automatically. Right. So it's 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 and we're and we're we're getting to like, you know, super saiyan levels of Jedi ness going on here. Ah, well, calm down. Dark and calm the, dark down. and the light. That's what it's that's what it's seeming no, like. No, it's not because you're not getting someone. You, you don't like. She's not doing anything that incredible, really. Like, look at that fight scene. Like, it's dope, but no one's doing any force pushes or doing anything super awesome. Like, what's the biggest thing that Kylo does? Like, in Force Awakens, he stops a laser blast. Okay, that's pretty fucking cool. And then he cuts Snoke in half because he tricks him. He can, like, throw out mind images. It's like, this is what I'm thinking about, but I'm going to cut you down. It's not like you saw Rey bring a fucking Star Destroyer down from the sky. So, like, yeah, I, 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 the way I look at this is she's very Force-sensitive. It's like if you met someone who's been playing guitar for two weeks and you've been playing guitar for a year and they're better than you. Some people are just really good at shit and you just have to practice more at it. So I think that's Kylo. He has to practice more at the force. Whereas Ray is a natural force user. I, I still think she needs training and I get your like complaints, but I do not think she's super Saiyan level. Like she's not going all white haired. Like, you know, Snoke, I think that Snoke fight, if, if, uh, Kylo didn't kill Snoke the way he would. Snoke would have killed both of them. I mean, he shoots lightning from his fingertips, and that's like, if you ever watch Palpatine or like play Battlefront, Palpatine doesn't have a lightsaber. He just fucking kills you with lightning. That's yeah. what he's doing to Luke at the end. And like Vader doesn't even use a lightsaber on him because he knows it's not worth it. 
So those two couldn't have, like, with all their power and how powerful people perceive they are, if she's Super Saiyan level or whatever, Snoke could have killed them both. He's just so wrapped up in his own, like, this is my plot and blah, 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 and I can't see. You know, like, every master has a downfall. You know, that's the way I see the Snoke scene to me is, like, not everyone's perfect. And especially someone who's super fucking evil and has not been contested for most of their life because Luke Skywalker obviously hasn't been fighting Snoke, or maybe they did have a fight at some point. And maybe he bested Luke at some point. I mean, I don't know. There's a history there. And this is the biggest issue that I have with this, like a lot of the complaints with this movie, and like, is that we don't have, like the trilogy's not finished, first of all. And I get it. Like, we're going to complain about the second one, just like people complained about the first one being too similar. This one's too different, even though I'm with you, Ben. I see all the Empire references. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get the salt thing because, oh, you think that's snow, don't you? Haha, <laughs> not. It's salt. I get it. I get everything. It's just we need the third film, I think, to finish up the trilogy because to me, I have to see this as a trilogy. I have to see it as a whole. Like, this is all interconnecting. This is just a part, and I'm just going to have to wait till the third one to wrap it all up. Now, I will be upset if I get to the third one, and nothing from The Last Jedi makes any fucking sense. So we're going to move on into, real quick, the Disney Fox crossover idea segment. And in this segment, it's going. this is like the first time we're doing this. We might do it more in the future, but uh, since Disney has acquired so many properties, everybody's been talking about them acquiring x-men and that is the most exciting probably but they also acquired a bunch of other shit so we wanted to see you know this is a this is a common nerd thing where you know you think of your dream crossover and if 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 you guys may indulge me i'd like to go first i've i quickly wrote out like a a script for i guess the trailer how i think the trailer would go (laughs) for this for my idea so hit us up Please, please. Wait, uh, Andrew, can I ask, does it have anything to do with Star Wars? No. Okay, thank God. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> so this is, again, rough, but this is, here we go. All right. So we start out with a shot of the alias door sign. Jessica Jones is awakened once oh, again, still shit. hung over by her incessant doorbell. She goes through the door. Two FBI agents, a man and a woman, stand in front of her <laughs> at the threshold, flashing their badges. Detective Jones, my name is Agent Scully, and this is Agent oh Mulder. Oh, my God. I love it. Make it. Mulder smiles. Scully continues. We are here to investigate some unusual activity that's been going on in, our, in this area of New York for the past few weeks. We believe you may have already been following this case. Jessica Jones is taken aback that she was found out by these two agents, but she lets them inside. Mulder, thank you, Miss Jones. Jessica Jones says, Detective Jones. <laughs> Mulder says, Detective Jones, we are, of course, aware of the alien attacks on New York that happened a few years ago. This whole city and the rest of the world has seen an increase in all types of activity these past few years. We're here to ask about one case in particular at this time, however. Scully pulls down a folder on, Je- on Jessica Jones' desk. It reads, Wayland yutani <gasps> Cut to fan service shot of Mulder. <laughs> confronting the alien the tongue sticking out and Mulder is fucking petrified then cut to Jessica Jones punching an alien acid blood getting all over her fucking cut to black I don't know there that's my idea I'm would she melt though could 
she's not indestructible like Luke Cage. So. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I just fucking like threw it down on my fucking text edit real quick. <laughs> Crossover I mean, three. Shit, I'd watch that. Three nice. of them. Bitches. Oh shit. I was I trying mean, to I'm think. Thinking how, in. how do I get detectives like? Detectives in the Marvel Universe, and I was like, and I looked up. There's actually a few, uh, but you know, Jessica Jones, I think, was probably the best one to go with. Nice. I mean, I'm fucking in, dude. I'd watch that. Yeah, cool. I would too. All right, that was my idea. Nice, Maddie. Wait, oh, um, so mine's kind of like it's not like that much of a crossover. I mean, these films have already been made, but they're shitty films. It would essentially be an Alien versus Predator film. But we would throw in the engineers, and it would continue since it doesn't look good that we're going to get to finish David's story from Alien Covenant about him taking the Covenant and putting alien-like embryos in there. So my thought was that um, the ship, for whatever reason, would crash land. David would be there. Daniels would be there. Some of the crew that survived Covenant would be there, like Danny McBride. And they would crash land on like a hunting planet that the Predators use. Um, David would kind of like, you know, uh, since he's an android, would uh, take, would, um, you know, wake up, uh, grab the embryos, and, uh, you know, run off and do whatever the fuck he needs to do as an android. And the Predators wouldn't hunt him because he's not like a, not necessarily a threat. And he would introduce the alien to this population. So you'd have several Predators and then, you know, some of them would be infected. There might be other alien life that, so that way the aliens could reproduce and like become like xenomorphs or different versions of xenomorphs. And you could do like different weird, uh, like, uh, creature effects with them and like maybe give them different like aspects of like the alien race that they're being born from that David is creating. While this is going on, we flash back to the engineer planet and Walter is not dead. Um, David thinks he killed Walter. Walter, at some point, I don't know. I mean, listen, I don't write movies, guys. <laughs> uh, but he would hijack. Some, he would find a, uh, a ship, hijack it, and trace them to the planet. So you get another Walter David face off. Because I thought that was the best part of Alien Covenant was the two of them. Yeah. Um, and you'd have this big old knockdown drag out. But then at the same time, you would also have the engineers who knew what happened to their planet and were on their way would then get diverted for a distress call that like Walter sends out someone, maybe Daniels that like, Oh shit's bad because they're engineers. They can read all kinds of different languages. Don't know if that's true, but that would be in my mythology. Someone can correct me on this if they can't. So they would jettison there. So you would have this like humans versus engineers versus predators versus fucking alien xenomorph aliens. And it would be this like knockdown drag out. I don't know how the fuck it would end. Um, I'm assuming some humans will win some, the humans and engineers would team up to maybe take out some aliens with the predators, but then the aliens are gone. So where do you get to fight now? The predators don't want to lose. And then I would maybe recall back to predator one and the predators are like, well, fuck, we can't let this continue. What the fuck is all this? They know too much. We're going to throw out some bombs. We got to explode the planet. Maybe it would just end with them exploding the planet. And like that would end Ridley Scott's kind of alien trilogy. You know, I don't know what um, Shane Black's predator uh, film has in store for us, so I don't know what kind of mythology is adding to that. But that would be... That's what I would do with it, man. I would make a really cool fucking, like, three-hour-long fucking Alien versus Predator versus Engineer movie just with everything you'd ever want. And I would have Neil Blomkamp direct it. Oh, um, nice. 
Um, and you know, me like I was thinking even that I would throw like Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean in there, like they were trapped on like the Predator planet because they were the only ones who've gone up against an alien. So why wouldn't they want to fight them? And oh, and you that Blomkamp's uh, idea. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you could probably cut some shit out for sure, but like this was as soon as they acquired it, I was like, fuck, get Blomkamp in there, fucking make a dope ass alien movie. And then I was like, oh my God, it'd be cool to get like a really good alien versus predator movie. Because I think you can make a really good versus movie. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to know how to do it. You have to have someone who has like a good idea for it. And I think Blomkamp is the guy that would have a really great idea for it. Or there's probably several writers who are just like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for this moment. So, you know, that would be my idea. I don't think it's not super crossing genres, but I think it would give a lot of people. And then you could like in the series, like killing off Sigourney Weaver, Michael Biehn and all that. And then just starting fresh with like, you know, Shane Black's the predator or like a new series of alien movies. Like let's just end this whole cycle of, you know, Ridley Scott and all this stuff that's going on. Like let's have new filmmakers in these positions making, new films and i think really scott said something that like i think he said something uh, in respect to ryan johnson or like filmmakers getting properties that they've never made like action movies or big budget movies before and how it's like they shouldn't get them it's like well listen ridley prometheus and alien covenant weren't that good so calm the fuck down dude and blade runner 2049 was pretty fucking dope so i don't know maybe you should just retire and give off that those rights and maybe let other people step in and direct some movies. But that's my idea because I love those franchises so much. So close us out, Ben. All right. Well, mine is kind of more what everyone else is sort of wondering what they're going to do with now that now that Disney and Fox is sort of merged, what are they going to do with the Marvel characters that Fox used to own? Um, So one idea I had was, you know, you would start, another Avengers movie with Captain America and it'd be in the 1940s and he's basically leading the, you know, the howling commandos in rescuing the people inside a concentration camp. You see where we're going here with this. Mm, yes, and, I did. Yeah. And one of the kids he rescues is Eric Lencher. Mm. And he sort of sees the power that Captain America has and everything. And, and he, knows the power that he has, you know, even as a kid, he already, he already has this. And, um, he sort of goes to seek out, um, and Captain America sort of inspires him to not, you know, to keep fighting for what he believes in and not let something like this happen again. Of course, Captain America has no idea how far he's going to take that. Um, but you go through present day and this guy is now Christoph Waltz. And he's, uh, he's had some sort of something to do with his mutant gene, or he has something that enables him to slow his aging down. Because if you think about it, like an actual concentration camp survivor in 2017 would probably not be fit enough to do the whole supervillain thing. Yeah. So he is out because he's looking for his daughter. And he finds her, and it's Scarlet Witch. Mm. And you reveal that she and Pietro were adopted years ago by that family in I think it was Sokovia or something like that but anyway it enables you to tie in that and that sort of enable gives us an in X-Men characters into the Avengers through the Avengers story because Scarlet Witch sort of hasn't really had much 
of a she, she hasn't really been in the spotlight that much and you've got elizabeth olsen who you know is a solid actress and everything and she would kind of be our way in of just being like wait what the fuck is like what's this sort of thing what's this new element you'd sort of reveal that the mutant she had the mutant gene and so did her brother and that's what enabled them to survive the hydra experiment so yeah even though they're technically not mutant powers they still are kind of mutants and you'd be able to get around that but the whole movie would kind of be another type of civil war movie it's just sort of on what's the avengers view on discrimination um of the government you know sort of clamping down on mutants and all that do they side with the government do they you know defend the mutants and everything like that you've got magneto who obviously has his own sort of war with the humans and you've got this little subsect which is the x-men um i would hold off on wolverine for a bit just because of the whole you know hugh jackman thing i would take your time just to find someone else but you would i'd really want to build up sort of a smaller team of x-men um whose powers would pretty much like tie into whatever's going on with the story or, or whatever but um i'd keep it small just because we've already got avengers characters we've got magneto and his people and i just i you know it's gonna get too crazy all at once um but it would just sort of be grounded in just these themes of discrimination and everything like that another twist i'd add in is that uh deadpool is the only movie that is in the mcu universe of the x-men movies if you think about it like there's like there's not really anybody else from the other fox films who shows up colossus shows up but he's completely different from the other fox film versions of him there's references to Hugh Jackman and, you know, Patrick Stewart and everything, but that's because he breaks the fourth wall. They never actually show up. You could also, like, look how many Thanos references you could get away with Deadpool talking to Cable now with <laughs> this whole, like, merger. So you could totally pull this off. And part of that is also because, like, are you, you know, is Marvel... Marvel, I think, is going to be smart enough not to sort of end the Deadpool series. Um, I think they'd be smarter to just merge it in because, like, who else are you going to get to play Deadpool? Who's going to be better than Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. So I say have Dark Phoenix be the last one of this Fox version of the X Men, and then just sort of recast everyone for the new X Men and give whoever the director is like free reign over which X Men he wants and everything like that. But uh, that's how I would do it. I'd bring in, I'd, I'd do it through Magneto into the and have the Avengers sort of caught in the middle of this conflict. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'd fucking watch that movie for sure. <laughs> Any Ben Wan movie, we're going to be. <laughs> I mean, not as <laughs> Man, I bet oh, I don't really fucking like premiere passes of that shit, Ben. Jeez. <laughs> as first heard on the Superhouse podcast. Yes. Um, I don't really have, I'm not a big Fantastic Four follower, so I don't really have any other ideas other than what a lot of fans have already said about. Um, you know, the Avengers Tower was bought out in Spider-Man Homecoming, and everyone's like, what if that turned into the Baxter building? And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea to me. Oh, um, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, there is um, there's a video by Movie Bob where he comes up with, like, how he would do the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe, and he has an interesting idea of them being, like, 1960s. It's sort of a Captain America thing where they were, like, 1960s explorers. And, but they got, like, caught in... out of water? Yeah, they got caught in space, and then they arrive in modern day and it's sort of the clash of like the 1960s times versus our time but unlike captain america you would actually spend uh like whole movie on them sort of having to adjust that it's sort of I'm felt there. like cap I, I yeah, cap Pir- really, yeah cap never really had that opportunity he kind of just got thrown into the avengers movies and it just had to adjust off screen 
Yeah. But like these guys, like imagine, you know, how Sue Storm reacts to, you know, 27 or 2018 feminism, you know, or, or um, how, how sort of the attitudes, the 1960s attitudes that the men have, then how does that get challenged now in terms of just modern stuff on race or, you know, discrimination and all that stuff? It'd be very interesting, I think. I think that that definitely be the way to, to, to take it, I think. Mm-hmm. I definitely would like to see X-Men not be a period period piece anymore. I've said this before on the podcast, but I just I just want them to be in fucking modern times, even fucking slight slight future. You know, just not I just I just don't want to see the X-Men in the past anymore. I'm just I'm tired of it. I feel like we need to uh I'd like to see maybe more like what Star Wars is doing with um the just the Star Wars story stuff, like just do these one shots. Like Cast a dude as Wolverine, and let's do a Hulk versus Wolverine movie. Like, oh yeah, totally. I fucking like love to see that different actor playing Wolverine, different actor playing Hulk, or you know whatever. Mark Ruffalo wants to play the Hulk, sure, whatever. I don't care, but mm-hmm. it'd be cool to just see different directors' takes on these smaller, like these smaller comics that exist. You know, um, like kind of what like I guess uh, DC's doing with the animated stuff, like Gotham by Gaslight. Love to see a live action version of that, but I doubt we'll ever get that. You know, probably not. But you know, I feel like there's a lot of these, you know, uh, these kind of like limited run kind of stories in the Marvel universe that would just be kind of cool to be like, what if we did recast? You know, if they've already set up a Wolverine for whatever they're gonna do with uh, Disney, it's like, what if we cast, you know, fucking Tom Hardy as Wolverine and whoever is Hulk and just let them fucking do this story and Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, but like who would like, I I think it'd be more interesting than just having all this stuff tie in all the time. You know, it's just like, I would just like these standoffs where I don't have to like watch every movie to, you know, be like, all right, now I'm ready to watch this one movie. You know, like I would love to just see these little standoff movies. I think they'd be fun. You know, what if, you know, they, they did a comic series like what if, you know, mm-hmm. like, what if, uh, I forget the one that I really liked was, what if Johnny Blaze wasn't the Ghost Rider and it was his girlfriend that became Ghost Rider to save him? I was like, that would be dope. Like, let's make a whole yeah. bunch of movies like that. You know, like, I would love to see, like, I hope we get an X-23 movie. I hope what happened, what was, what they put in Logan doesn't just go to the wayside because Disney now has the rights. You know, I thought that that girl was amazing as X-23, and, you know, I'm not saying I need a movie next year with her as X-23, but, you know, once she becomes, like, a teenager, gets a little older, it'd be really dope to see a cool, like, X-23 and then maybe a little spinoff of, like, all-new Wolverine where she takes on the mantle of Wolverine. I'd watch That sounds cool to me, man. I'd watch that. Her teaming up with Captain America. And uh, I'm down. I'm down. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... A little tricky with X-Men because it's not like they just have the movies now. They also have Legion, they have the Gifted, they have the New Mutants coming out. God, and... I forgot about the Gifted. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff, and they're not necessarily tied in the same continuity. But you could just do a whole Arrowverse type thing where it's just like okay, all the TV shows and stuff, or the different subset movies, are kind of free to do their own thing, and you know maybe some things will tie in, maybe some things won't. But other than, you know, it, it's, it doesn't make sense, in my opinion, for them to cancel everything. Um, yeah. The only reason why I said, like, Dark Phoenix should be the last of the, the other X-Men movies is just because, like, I just don't see anywhere else they can go 
after that? Like, are they going to just completely redo all the previous X-Men movies with just the new cast? Like, I just don't see that much room for a bunch of X-Men movies that aren't in MCU continuity uh, that are tied into this franchise that was basically built off of Hugh Jackman, who's no longer doing this. So I'm yeah, like, mm-hmm. right, right, right. I'm not really enthused. Like, I'm not really planning to see Dark Phoenix. I didn't even see Apocalypse. Um, I just don't. I'm just not that interested in um, another version of the Dark Phoenix story told by the guy who screwed it up the first time in X Men Three. Right. So, yeah. like, yeah. it's it's not uh, on the top of my to, to watch list. That's understandable. Yeah. I'm just a huge X Men fan, and I I know it's not going to be great, but I'm still going to see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what their plans are for. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, I don't want a reboot of X Men, but I don't know what to do. Like, you know, besides throwing them into like Avengers or something, it's like what else? Right. You kind of have to do this. Like the way they did it with Spider Man, I think was well done because it's just like, okay, let's not start with you know another reboot of X Men with new character. Like, let's let's slide them into what you've already know, and then if people like it enough, then they can get their own movies. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I just, yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like they should just after Dark Phoenix just take like, just take like ten years off. Don't like give us any X Men, and then just <laughs> drop like a reboot on us. Then with like all new cast, you know, new Wolverine. And I know Andrew, you didn't want it set in the past, but like fucking make it like the '90s fucking cartoon, dude. Give me Wolverine in the suit and shit. Like that would be. I oh, I want the '90s version. Just put that in the modern time. Yeah, 2018 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want all that shit. I mean, maybe you don't need Jubilee, maybe, but everybody else. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on. <laughs> she doesn't need to be the Come lead on. anyway. No, no. I mean, I also don't think you need to make Wolverine the lead. No. And the Cyclops, movie. motherfucker. He's always been the lead player or Storm. I mean, I just think you can you can have Wolverine. Like, I just feel like it needs to be a well balanced thing, and then like give each of them like. You know, like, you know, a trilogy of Wolver- a good Wolverine movies, you know, not like one shitty one, one halfway decent, and then one really good one. <laughs> right. You know, like, give me like, you know, uh, honestly, like this whole X-Force idea is like, I think the best way to introduce a new Wolverine, honestly. Um, you have Deadpool, mm-hmm. you could do Archangel, Wolverine was the leader of X-Force. It'd be a great way to like, even switch the, like, make Deadpool this... Uh, this leader, like, can Deadpool even lead a team of, like, mercenaries? <laughs> like, wouldn't it be funny to see? Mm-hmm. And, like, we have Wolverine in there and somehow, like, work that out. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if someone was paying me right now to figure out how to put Wolverine in this, I'm sure I could figure it out. But, <laughs> um, you know, it'd be cool to, like, introduce a new Wolverine that way and kind of maybe redo his, like, his beginning or something. Like, maybe make the we- Weapon X project while X-Force is happening and, just kind of redo the timeline, man. I think the thing is we get so hung up on this comic books and books and shit that have come before to like do something different is sacrilege. Don't do that to my character. That's not how, that's not the timeline. It's like, well, fuck, man, who cares? I want to see different, interesting stories. You know, like if that makes a good X-Force movie and Wolverine comes in later in the game, sure. Don't mm. give a shit. Give me Wolverine now. But I think a cool, like a, a, an extra, a, an R-rated X-Men film, X-Force would be dope. And you could have mm-hmm. Cable come into it, Josh Brolin, Deadpool. You could get the, do Archangel. You could do Psylocke from it. Um, Wolverine could be cool, man. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, they kind of have to do a lot of new shit now because it's like, okay, just because it's part of the MCU doesn't mean you should like retell everything. That's why like Spider-Man Homecoming was kind of smart not to do yet another origin story because it's like really like we're going to have to see Weapon X again. The, you know, falling yeah. out between Charles and Eric again, another old man Logan movie. That, like, how's that going to ever match up to Logan that we got this year? Like, it's not, you got to really just, you know, start fresh with different stories as opposed to trying to redo the stories we've seen before. The only way you could do an old man Logan story is just to do the comic book, like, straight up. <laughs> yeah, but just even get then. And then just be like, all right, here you go, fan service. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be as good. No, not because I, I enjoy that comic for the idea, just to be like, what if? Mm-hmm. But I like it all. Like, it's not like the best comic ever. It's just a cool concept. What if Hulk was bad? What if Wolverine was old? What if all the heroes were dead? What if Wolverine? Spoiler alert! Killed the X Men. Like, it's a cool concept. It's cool. It works in that that like couple of issues comic, and that would be like I wouldn't want to see that like next year. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, if I'm in like my fifties, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch an old man Logan movie. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. fucking do this shit. Um, but I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see what Disney does with it. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. despite how you feel about where Star Wars is going now and all that, I feel like, you know, at least we're getting more Star Wars films. And I guess for me, I'm like, maybe I'll get more Predator and Alien films. All right, that was uh, episode 103, everybody. The first episode of 2018. The first day of 2018 is a Monday. So here's your ep. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks again, senior Batman correspondent, Ben Juan. Happy New Year. And <laughs> Happy New Year to you, Ben, and on to Maddie. Uh, Happy New Year, guys. Uh, more to come. Uh, Superhouse <laughs> Podcast is going to be going strong in 2018. New things. Stay tuned. This is Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other godforsaken social media outlet that we that we should be floating on. We are basically on all social media. <laughs> yeah, all social media. Mainly Facebook and Twitter and Patreon. Check out the links in the description. We have a lot of uh, cool goals uh, set up on our Patreon. Like if you donate a dollar you'll be able to uh, give us a topic for us to talk about. And we'll talk about for maybe an hour or more. Who knows how long it'll take. And that's pretty tight. (laughs) That's the coolest thing. (laughs) Wait, we're on the internet? That's pretty good. (laughs) And we can make money. (laughs) What? (laughs) If you donate $1,000, you get full frontal nudes. We haven't set that up, but it's a possibility. (laughs) You give us a grant, who knows what will happen. Check us out. (laughs) I'll do that. I'll do that. You get to go on a date with one of us for $10,000. But you pay for everything. <laughs> you get to have your way with Maddie for $20,000. I'm a For $30,000, we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. Superhouse Gigolo Project. 2018. <laughs> Links in the description. <laughs>